What up, Whiskey Ginger fans? Welcome back to the show. If it's your first time joining the show, welcome to the show. We got a banger of a guest today. It's unbelievable. Dana Carvey. So excited to have Dana on the show. What a brilliant uh, mind, a great comedian, wonderful actor, genuinely such a great person as well. I was honored to sit down and talk with Dana on the show. Please like the video, subscribe to the channel if you dig it. Leave a comment down below for the Algo Rhythm so we can spread this thing around on the interwebs. means a lot to me to keep this whisk ginge train moving. We've been at it for five years now, and I'm going to keep it going for as long as I can, as long as you guys push it around, like it, subscribe it, tell a friend, share the video, do your thing. Speaking of uh, showing love to you guys, I'm going to be back out on the road with Bob, Bobo, Bobby Lee in the fall. Uh, for the Bad Friends pod. Now, we're not doing the podcast. A lot of people ask. We're not doing a podcast. We do live stand-up, and we also do bits from the show, which are uh, interactive with the audience, but there is no podcast. It's a bunch of stand-up and a bunch of bits. It's very fun. You're not going to be sitting there watching us just talking to the microphones. We're going to be making you laugh, baby. Come see us. Uh, Tickets are at badfriendspod.com, badfriendspod.com. We're going everywhere, Chicago, uh, Milwaukee, Minneapolis, Madison, Rochester, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Denver, D.C., uh, a bunch. Come see us. Go to badfriendspod.com, badfriendspod.com for those tickets. Enough rambling from me. Let's go to the episode. In here, we pour whiskey, 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 whiskey. You were that creature in the ginger beard. Sturdy and ginger. Like vampires, the ginger gene is a curse. Gingers are beautiful. You want me five dollars for the Uh, are all those rolling on all these? Yep, all right, here. Hey, Joe. Joe is our other. Joe's our editor. Dana, say hi to Joe in that camera right there. Right. Oh, in Joe front is of you. here. No, oh. Joe is in Boston. Oh. He's What's sitting. Up, Joe? He's sitting in one of his. Um, he's a real estate mogul in Boston. He owns fifty buildings in Boston. God, and you. He's a billionaire. This guy. He's no, a multi- seriously a billionaire. No, no, no. no, he's no, not. no. <laughs> no I was. You, I, everyone's rich now. Don't care. You know, isn't everyone rich? Everybody's kind of? rich. That's why the people who aren't rich are really angry. They're really mad. Right I mean, now. I have such angry people around me. Well, stop talking to everybody. Just yeah. be alone. Sit alone in your little abode, happy with your family. And yes. Just be happy. I, Dana, just be happy for once. I love this whole movement, which is still new. I, here's the list that I is in my head. Yeah. Bobby Lee. Yeah. Andrew. Tim Dillon. Yeah. Theo Vaughn. Yeah. Tom Segura. Yeah. Bert Kreisner. And yeah. I'm sure there's like a, nut, a bunch more, but those are the ones that are the like- Podcast okay. guys. Well, they're the guys who didn't didn't go the traditional way. Yeah. And you did a Showtime special, corporate I, special. You I probably did. next time would produce it yourself, put it on YouTube. Maybe. I did. Well, I did a Netflix one oh, that came out this year, oh, at the okay. beginning of the what year. What was that called? Cheeseburger. Mm. Thanks for watching. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I need to introduce. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Whiskey Ginger. My guest today is one of my favorite people on earth. I say that for all my guests, mm-hmm. but I mean it once again today. It is a I, very special day for me. This means a lot, and I'll get into it. I come it's in peace. Dana Carvey I come who comes in peace. in peace. And I come from the 80s. You come from the 80s and I you come, come in peace. Uh, yes. So cheers. That's why this was taken. Look me in the face yes. and cheers me slow. Real slow. Is this a, a No, a just thing? for you, I like all it right. slow. There. Okay, very good. Now a little yeah. sip. Mm-hmm. Mm. What do you think? I think it's good. You think it's good? And I'm not a whiskey drinker, but uh, I think the ice helps mix drinks. It cools it down a little bit for you. Yeah. Like my uncle used to say, his uncle Rock, 
And His name was Rock? Uncle Rock. Uncle Rock. And he had a lot of charisma. He was a University of Montana basketball coach. And he'd come around, he's like, you, you want a Coke or you want a Super Coke? <laughs> you want a Coke or a Super Coke? Well, I'll take a Super Coke. Yeah. And that just meant a tall glass all the way to the brim with ice. And then Ooh. you pour the Coke over. Now you got a Super Coke. Super Coke. You know when you put a name on something, mm-hmm. then kids go crazy. Super Coke. Well, Super, super Coke. I want, of course I want a Super Coke. Coke. But anyway, Andrew, if I could call you that. Has anyone ever called you Andy and not got punched? <laughs> Let's not try it today on camera, Dana. No, I, Andy was a name they give you. I was like you don't assaulted look, you don't with seem it. like an Andy. But pe- most people just call me Santino because my last name. Most people Santino. don't say Andrew. They say, if I don't, if I see people on the street mm-hmm. uh, and it's a fan, they always yeah. say Santino. As if they're old friends of mine. I think that does have, it does have a Sopranos kind of gangstery. Santino. Hey, Santino's coming. Oh, hey, Andy's coming by. <laughs> no, I was Santino. Hey, guys, what's up? Santino. Santino's yeah, you could coming. just be Santino. Drop the Andrew. I usually like am. A Most Cher people Sting do that. Santino. Yeah. Cher Sting Santino? Is yeah. that my... So you off-the-grid rebel motherfucker. Yeah, we are. Making your own ecosystem outside of NBC, ABC, all Yeah. <laughs> and do your little specials. Yeah. But probably, you know, Shane did his on YouTube. Yeah. And now he's playing. They go from. Huge theaters. You always hear the trajectory of a comedian, you know. Well, we, we interviewed him a year ago, Spade and I. Yeah. And he's like, well, they, they want me to do theaters, you know. And mm-hmm. then it's theaters. And then I guess it's it's like sheds or you know basketball courts, and then it's mm-hmm. arenas. Right. There is something in between. Then one arenas. more. What's the top of that? Stadiums. Yeah, stadiums. Right. Yeah. Next time we talked to Chris Rock because he had just before it was before the Will Smith thing, and he graduated him and Chappelle to stadiums, yeah. which I think is in Europe is like eighty. That's insane. So I call him Stadium Chris. Oh, he's Stadium Chris now. Well, I call him Stadium Chris because. Stadiums and stadiums, man. What was the what was the Will Smith thing you were talking about? What happened? Uh, something. <laughs> Just a dispute. <laughs> what kind? How to have a new angle on that whole thing? <laughs> oh man! I think it's somebody said online that there was a lawsuit and he won a lawsuit. That Will Smith suit? Oh, Will Smith. Oh, for about the special? No, about the slap. Oh, that, the slap. That he sued him and he won. Is that true? That he sued him and won? No. Yeah, yeah winning that forty million. To... Hey, forty. No, that's not true. That's not real. That's the internet. Will Smith I, I used to think that now. Chris could have. He could have said, you know, he'd be in court going, uh, what? What'd you say? You yeah. Know, hear, well, hearing loss. What, what, what was that? It was this side of my head. It was the other side. The judge right. was like, wasn't it the other side? Uh, both, it transferred over when it hit so hard it came <laughs> out. Uh, uh, one of the great spectacles of modern global media was that. Yeah, it was know? amazing. I and, loved every second of it. Yeah. and Chris, I think we need wait. more violence at award shows. Oh my God! I mean, you know the 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 brilliant. Maybe it was just not planned, but if someone knew secretly there was a war going on between those two guys, and Jaden was there, and they go, "Hey, should we put in like make the stage a little higher mm-hmm. and put the seats back in case anyone got you know because got a hot head because uh-huh. it was like a beeline. It was perfect, a flat, perfect thirty-five foot beeline. Now in the old Oscars seventies, you would have had John Wayne stand up, Nicholson would have tackled you. You would have had to go over the, it never would have happened is my point. It wouldn't have been so convenient. That could trend. Is this a QAnon theory that we're gonna get into? I just want to be trending <laughs> when I'm done with this. The, the worst Oscars- thing I can be is old and boring. You're not old or boring. Thank you. You're a legend. Santino, I have so much th- I have so many things to tell you uh, that I don't want to get too complimentary you, you, because your ego, as everybody knows, is way too big already. No, no. I, Everyone in Hollywood talks about it. What I do on podcasts, it's a real 
I, I think it's a privilege to be able to say nice things to people. All right, I'm going to say it right but, now. But as long as they're sincere, I mean, everything I say, I mean, when I say to Steve Martin, you were such an influence with me when you did Excuse Me, because it yeah. was just a rhythm, and I definitely did a bit based on that. That was just fun to say. Well, you influenced me to a degree. I don't know if I could tell you well, without seen, it sounding I've a little... I've seen your, some of your stuff, and I do see... I yeah. feel... Uh, you, you because... You're not a thief. You're just no, influenced. No, but, I, t- but I, <laughs> I borrow from you. No, borrow from me if you should, of I course. have a church guy bit, and that, that one People, the church guy bit. People go, is that for just, is that, a, is that like church lady? I'm like, okay, totally different. Okay, what was the compliment part? I probably talked over <laughs> my own compliment. I talked over my own compliment. Well, I'll, I'll say this. Beyond the fact that I Beyonce grew up. Fact. Beyonce's yeah. fact. Uh, is. Uh, Did you have any more of these? I'm yeah, like, you, yeah, yeah. I'm fine. Beyond yeah. the fact that I grew up like you falling really, in love with you. Yes. Over and over and over again through SNL. But then. But give me the numbers. What bonded though. us. Okay. What bonded my love for you comedically was okay. Wayne's World. My mother and I would watch Wayne's World so much that yeah. now, to this day, she'll, if she calls me sometimes, mm-hmm. I'll go, what's going on? And she'll go, she's okay. She'll say that to me <laughs> over the phone. And it's just those yeah. things like laid in my brain my whole life. It was like that movie and – I mean there was a million of them like that, but that movie in well, particular – I didn't have any other movie like that because that was the only movie that I got to write my – Character stuff. Yeah. Penelope's Fierce would say, what are you going to do here? If Garth was going to have a moment. And then only direction was, could you do it 10 seconds faster? Just quicker. Just, yeah. If you're going to spew, spew into this. I mean, Uh I was able to get the script, respectively wind in Garth's stuff, knowing it was Wayne's world. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, here's an example of how things can go wrong, how money can be the enemy of comedy. Yeah. So on the first one, we're just, put us on the, the AM pacer. We're at the airport. You know, did you ever get attracted to Bugs Bunny or whatever he said? I don't know. She's a baby. She could be baby. I'm Lincoln. We shoot it in 45 minutes. We throw it away. Mike gets the giggles. We keep it in there, like as if he's really laughing at Garth. The second movie with the budget, it's like a four-day shoot. There's like nine cameras, three different, you know, just... It's funny you say that because I wanted to talk to you about that scene. Yeah. I rewind that. I will watch that scene on YouTube mm-hmm. because it makes me laugh every time. It gives me this feeling that I know exactly what happened with you guys. Whenever I've been on set huh. and improv, I don't know if that line, yeah. the, the, if he didn't mm-hmm. know that was coming, mm-hmm. but he sure as fuck didn't look like it because when you said, yeah. did you ever find him attractive? I've yeah. repeated it so much. I can imitate his man. The way he goes, no. No, the way he (laughs) hits it the second time makes me think he had no clue it was coming. And Uh, then that's when you go, neither did I. I can hear him laughing. They left in the laugh in the audio where he's laughing through the take. Yes. And it was deliberate, right? You guys went over it and you were probably like, leave it in, leave it in, leave it in. Penelope Spheres, I give her credit. She let us like, if you're into like folklore or whatever. So the the day, okay, so I was going to do the, he goes for the dream girl mm-hmm. with the foxy lady. So I was going to do uh, What's New Pussycat, but Steve Martin, they go, oh, he just did that in Father of the Bride, oh. so, which is fine. So then I went to that, and then it was 21 hours on the set. You know, it's so heroic. We could, we, we're almost dead. Uh-huh. We're the greatest film crew ever. <laughs> so I'm as tired as I've ever been in my life, and there was a lot of out of focus because the crew was literally shot. There were flags in the thing. Right. So then it was going to be bounced after the first preview. It just was cut to pieces. It didn't work at all. But to her credit, she let me go in there and reformulate it and made it palatable, you know. 
But were you saying like they couldn't rack focus quick enough and they didn't have time to do another take? So you were like, whatever, it's blurry. Who cares? It was 21st hour, and they think they got it, but it was just at the end of the night. I'd been there since 6 a.m., and there was just a lot of technical issues. And, um, you know, so. At Stan Makita's. Stan Makita's? At Stan Makita's. Well, here's the thing. Here's the emotional underpinning of that movie. I want to be Garth. I want to, and who doesn't want to be Wayne and Garth? They they live with their parents. They they have an AMC Pacer. Mm-hmm. They just cruise around. They don't really have anything. Well, they go to Gasworks every every night. Yeah, they can go, and they're the happiest people in the town. Yeah, because they're ritualizing everything, you know. And the uh, freakily satisfying syncopation of movement when the heads went. Mm-hmm. And the reason that landed, because people have asked me about it. So it, because it wasn't, here's a, here's a heavy metal song, and we'll start doing that. Mm-hmm. We meandered way off into this operatic thing. No, but just, the song is completely deconstructed. We're way over, way, way away. And then, and then in syncopation with that note. It's very potent, even it, though it's very simple. No, but it, was, yeah. it worked so perfectly. It was Luckily. like every time I saw that it made that song something mean something to me because when I was a kid, it didn't really. That wasn't, Bohemian right. Rhapsody wasn't really, my generation didn't really grab. Yeah. That was like yeah. a thing that we were like, I know that song, but it wasn't as iconic until that. That movie kind of yeah. like stamped it for my generation. Yes. I didn't, I wasn't as into that song as some of their other stuff, but I was aware of them. But then later on, you go, eh, that, you know, Queen was pretty, pretty It was pretty, great. I mean, Fat Bottom Girls was more my speed when I was a yeah. kid. Yeah. But another one bites the dust. I mean, just we are the champions. The emotion of it and the melody of it is like you can't, no one's come up with a better anthem for someone who's just won a world championship. We it, are You know what I mean? It's so... And what were they referring to? I don't know. When you think of, what was Queen even talking about? I think it's just like in life. We you just know? beat everybody at everything? Everyone uses that now, man. This, he's winning. Oh, how's Bobby Lee? Oh, he's, he's winning, Andrew. Oh, he's they're winning just, they're hard. Winning, they're winning hard. They're just are you win, winning hard Winning right all now? the time. I don't know when that came in. He's a, he's winning, winning, hard. winning hard or take an L. Have you know you about taking an L? I'm now I'm in the long arc of life, so I'm kind of like I have a short runway. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. So now I'm kind of like it's I'm playing with house money. I don't really the, what can happen to me a little bit. You know what I mean? Well, I can't wait to see that he sets himself up. Dana Carvey canceled right after saying, "What could happen to me?" We cut away. Oh, I could get canceled. <laughs> I, I'm constantly editing myself or you know so i mean spade Knight's podcast is not incendiary it's kind of sweet and, and silly it's well not- you two are both very sweet you have a similar demeanor i don't know you at all i've just met you and i know david in the way that spade is clever and funny and very small in uh, that's not a shot at him <laughs> that's not a shot <laughs> hey, but buddy. he's he's small in his comedy world of like he knows how yeah. to take something v- you know, the, a lot yeah. of guys of his generation did that, I think, too. Like, Norm was so good at taking something really minutiae. Yeah. And then, yeah. like, just you, like rolling back the onion. You're like, holy shit. Dave does the exact same thing. And you are mm-hmm. bigger personality, but your comedy also comes from something. The core of it's really, really small, too. I like nonsensical things. I That's where my brain would go to most happily than jokes. Yeah. Spade is great. He, has, he, he goes to the store. Something happens or, you know, the valet guy doesn't give him the ticket. And then he's got four minutes of self-deprecating, finely tuned, funny stand-up. Yeah. The thing about Norm, because sometimes I'll, you get on those YouTube shorts, you know, and so it feeds you what you're doing. So Norm, and one of them, he just has this big, happy Norm face. Like, he's really smiling and so joyous as he does this, the phallus things. Yeah. He's, he's a one-off. I mean, there's, there's only yeah, one. Yeah, he was only one. Was one norm. Tell yeah. me, what, 
was there any sketches or characters that you wrote for the show that never mm-hmm. made it that you, you that to this day you're like god why wouldn't that would have been hmm. i loved it so much it never went through um you know probably not no nothing no, no. like there were like norm i've told the story before but norm i met when i was 22 years old at a coffee shop here in la and he sat with me and a friend and basically just just chatted because he, we were writing sketches and and writing bits and he just chatted with us and yeah. he told us a story about how uh him and smigel wrote um uh Grew works or something uh, no 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 sorry for tracy they wrote uh, brian fellows mm, and he yeah. talked about like the impetus of, and, and it yeah. and lauren hated the sketch like he hated it but yeah. it killed so hard they mm-hmm. finally put it in yeah but the, he said he did that kind of out of spite because they had pitched a bunch of stuff i guess and lauren was like i don't like it and then he was like, all right, we'll do it during the table and we'll see how much everybody hates it. So they tried to right. make it bad on purpose. Yeah. Him and Smigel were kind of, you know, giving him the finger through the script. Like, <laughs> okay, you don't like it, then here. But you didn't have yeah. anything that you wrote that you really... I my whole uh, story on there was just unique because I, I'd never done sketch comedy, just stand-up. Yeah. And then I go get on the show after not trying... You know, I followed Kennison at the store at midnight. You know, yeah. I mean, I bombed so hard. It was just well. After him, it must have been an, 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 uh, impossible because yeah, his energy level yeah. beyond the fact no, but Ke- prime Kennison and now welcome to Center of Canada. There wasn't even an <laughs> MC. It was just yeah, ah, you know, just screaming at Pete Kennison, maybe the best to ever do it in his prime. And then here's Dan and Florfo. They never got my name right. <laughs> and I go, the church ladies are like this, and yeah. so just death, death. So when I get on SNL, freakily. Because I got a manager who knew Lauren and who knew, you know. Well, do you know the story? How I got on SNL? No. Oh. Well, I'd auditioned at the comedy store tw- and twice and bombed. I never was good at that room. Because then you go out in the suburbs, Ice House, and you levitate the room. What I call levitate. I don't know what you guys say. When it's just crushing. When you kill. Kill. And then you, you come destroy. in with your best joke at the improv. And just swing and a miss, you know. <laughs> so... The Lauren was coming around again. That 85 had had a rough season. They fired everybody but Lovitz and Nora Dunn or whatever. And so um, he'll come see you. So I go, okay, I can't do it at the Improv Comedy Store. So there was a 100-seater called Igby's in the west side. Igby's. Igby's. 100-seater, yeah. low ceiling, hot club, civilian crowd. Rosie O'Donnell, who I'd never met. Yeah, you can get a picture of it. Yeah. Rosie O'Donnell was headlining. She yeah. agreed to have me come in. I was going to bring Lauren Michaels. So that was it. I'd done 10 years of stand-up. Lauren's going to come see me. So I'm standing off to the side, and Lauren walks in. I'm like, oh, shit, that's Lauren Michaels. And then the head of the network walks in, Brandon Tarakoff. I go, fuck, it's the head of NBC. And then Cher walked in. What? She was just hanging with him. <laughs> just hanging yeah. out? Yeah. How <laughs> breathe. You know, you could do Elvis and, and, and get a little Cher in there. So I did well enough, and that's how I got the show, basically. Yeah. yeah, but he did. Lauren and you like immediately have a. I feel like, again, not knowing you, I feel like you probably bonded quick over there and was quick to get in. A lot of people have these political struggles when they get over there. Like you hear all these. So many of my friends are on the show and have mm-hmm. been on the show. Yeah, and you hear a lot of pain of the political oh, dance, yeah. and some people just click right away, and some people it just it's it's just a grind. Like, did you click with him right away, and he? Yeah, I mean, he said, "Come out to Long." So I'll do the impression. Do it. Uh, come yeah. out to Long Island, you know, stay for a while. And and I I didn't know, so I went out in August. I was playing a pizza parlor in Martinez, like a twenty seater, in July. Then I auditioned, and then now I'm at Lorne Michaels' house. 
Just staying with his, with just him. Just staying and- with Lauren. And I looked around, and not the cast wasn't there. It was just A. Whitney Brown was a writer. He was there, and it was just Lauren and me. And um, I'd never been around a rich person. Like he had a refrigerator that had just a hundred Amstel lights on one side, and then Pellegrinos on the other side. <laughs> that and was his fridge. So he's so intimidating, but also charming. But um, Chevy Chase came around, said he liked my audition tape. And then, you know, I think I've told this so many times, but then Paul McCartney and Lynn McCartney would come over each night um, and hang out. You know? That's so absurd. I know. Did you ever feel, when you first, when the McCartneys came and hung for the first time, were you, like, trying really hard to not, like, make a scene? Because you're like, I, I don't want them to think I'm something i just want to like kind of blend totally in and... trying to figure it out yeah for some reason i made a good move and i don't know why but i knew that you know who wrote twist and chow you know i didn't want to go beatles <laughs> so there was an album of his tug of war so i was very nervous but i finally there's only five of us there and he's i go when you wrote the chorus for a tug of war the title song you go uh-huh i said uh when you said we someday we'll stand up on the mountain with our flag unfurled, but it won't be soon enough for me. What were you thinking of? It was over at that point. I was thinking of a big old flag, you know, wondering, wondering, you know, as a symbol of where we're going. So it was such a specific compliment. Yeah. People always ask me, what do I say to someone? I say, find the most obtuse thing they've done. Like, say, one of your specials. Yeah. yeah. Just this obscure one line. That, and so after that... Um, they were kind of friendly, and then Paul had a, a song, a CD of a song he just did in New York and wanted to play it for us. Oh, God. Around so Chevy Chase, Lorne Michaels, Linda Paul, and I'm here next to Paul, so he's going to put the song on. You know, I mean, again, I was just out of space. I was just a club comic, you know, yeah. a week before. How old were you then? Uh, 31. 31. Yeah. So then he leaned in, and I'll never forget it, and it's direct quote, and I'll sound just like he did. As it starts, he says to me, his new confidant, Sometimes when you're writing, you try so hard to live up to whatever, you end up ruining the fucker. And then the song starts. <laughs> and he's looking at me, you know. Do you so feel fun. like when you listen to music that somebody, like I've had musician friends that play music for me, Yeah, it's hard to look at them and listen because you have to be like, yeah, 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 yeah. You mm-hmm. can't really feel it because you're afraid of mm-hmm. making a face. It, it's almost like right. It's almost like watching someone shit with them. You can't do it because you're like, <laughs> I don't want them to see me no, want- reacting to this. Because even if I do one yeah. little like, like of that, they're like, mm-hmm. what is that? What do you not? You didn't like the? I know the turn. It's it's really hard. It's it, you, sometimes you'll get a compliment and someone will change change the word, like you come off stage and they go that that. Uh, that was really good. You know, they, they, they had great and then it faded <laughs> yeah. out, you know. I don't know. How needy are you when you, or, or not needy? You come off, you do a set. You I leave. Mom, you just go straight out. I leave know? immediately. You don't want anyone to go, no. good set. No, 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 no. The uh, anxiety for me is like, uh, the moment I, I walk off stage, I like, I'm Hey, gone. that was great. Gone. I'm already gone. I'm in my car. I can't even hear you say What's that. What's the compliment that would make you believe you had a hot set? Well, it was good. I, th- I, I, Lewis Black actually said to me, we were doing, sh- we just did a show together on the Chrysler thing, and it mm-hmm. meant a lot. Lewis, uh, as I walked away, I said, I just want to tell you, it's great to meet you. I'm, you know, yeah. I've been a fan for a long time. And he grabbed my arm and was just like, that, that janitor bit, that is a there you go. good bit. Because it that, was specific. Yeah, that was yeah. like huge yeah. to me. Or even something like a throwaway, you know, like Colin Quinn or those guys, like a, when I walked off, 
stage in in at the cellar. We were spending some time in New York, and he's like, "Funny bits, Santino." It's small from yeah. him, and he may never remember it. Right. But those things sink. They sink me. That I'm like, yeah. oh my god, a million fans. That's the funniest. And you're like, okay, but thank you. But when yeah. somebody you know says something super small, there's something about it that like, yeah, it gets you good. But I don't want to hear it from friends because it makes me anxious. Mm-hmm. When friends, uh, like when you walk off, it's just, I gotta go. It's more if it's your friends is more like that bit's really working. You know now that's good. Right. I think your setup. Yeah, that one line kind of turned it, you know. All are, you still, are you still are you still wanting to continue stand up? I no? would. I just I'm spread so thin. I don't know how to really be a nightclub comic consistently and then do the podcast and then they've got us doing a production company and then more podcasts and I don't know. I mean, You're doing you could everything. do it at your age. I mean, how many nights do you go on the road? You know, it depends. I don't know. It depends on like what I'm working on right now. I'm, Bobby and I were touring. Now we're going to tour again in the fall because the success of it was kind of pretty great. And then you know, I'm building a new hour, so I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna go back out to clubs again to rebuild mm-hmm. the hour. But I, here in town, you know, three nights a week, I still mm-hmm. do it if I can. Three or four nights and a week. And what's what's the? Well, over- the store is my home. Yeah, I started the there. Big room. Yeah. What was the thing about you with stand up at this point? Because it, it'd be like, uh, are you trying to sort of make it funnier or make it more interesting for yourself? I mean, there's a point because you've sort, you've sort of mastered it. You're a headliner. You've done specials. You're, you're like there. Yeah. So then it's like, okay, the new special. Um, is it more of the same? Are you going to try to – some people try to go a little more real with, or personal. Some people you – know, I, I think I, I mean, just want to take – uh, I want to take uh, more time uh, on a subject matter and then really get into it. I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of times in the past – I would do a great joke about something and then move on to a great joke about something, move on to mm-hmm. a great joke. I'm trying a little bit harder now to like yeah. have a deeper through line into something. I yeah. feel like it's a bigger payoff for me to really see how far I can dig into one thing. And how much do you use your, your ear? Because you, you can do, you do accents, you do, you do impressions. I, I try to, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I, I, I fade in and out of like getting scared of doing them. You're so natural. Really? Well, I was terrified for the first three years when I was in college to, to do a character. But you base it on everyone you know, right? Like the characters. Yeah, like yours are much. typically based on humans, yeah. not just famous people, but humans you know. Yeah, and then I like because, like with Biden now, which is interesting enough, how what a hot oven it was in twenty twenty, uh-huh. and now it's really turned. Where yeah. I mean, I've distilled it. I mean, I'm building it because now I'm walking and I do that. He. If he was the old man in the village with a long beard and a cane, he'd be fine. What's the house of eyes of people? So this is of eyes of people. So now that sound I'm making right now yeah. has become, it, it builds to that. Yeah. But when I can, there's some people walking, it's going, it's over there. Um, that's starting to kill. That's, that's because yeah. of what's happening societally. Well, it's also like what you did with Bush kind of did, it did this great trick where mm-hmm. even people that hated Bush. Yeah fell in love with him because of it it's almost like yeah. you you twisted it back and i would say maybe that's the opposite with biden where even people that like really loved biden that are either upset or not happy with you know what's yeah. going on they may take that as almost like a people would be like oh do you like him or not like him i know it's a little weird because i you know i was t- you're just trying to find the line i mean if if i abstract it if if you're coming off as a if you're a teacher it's yeah. different if your vibe is I have a political agenda, and I'm going to work it through this, which is fine. Great. Sure. You know, Mort saw it was a friend of his, you know, political comedy. Uh, for me, uh, because those, you know, if you did a perfect 
Chris Platt or, you know, the politicians are kind of the last where everyone knows them. Yeah. And then I just want to abstract it. I still want people, I want, it makes me laugh really hard if I can abstract it that far and they're, they're taking the ride with me. That's right. really the sweet spot. See, I get afraid of doing celebrity impressions. I tested for SNL. <clears throat> I don't even know now. Like, eight like why years would ago. you be afraid? Like, it's not accurate? Or? Uh, yeah, because I was, I, uh, my impressions or my characters were always based on humans I knew, and that was easier right. for me. Like, when I tested, I did. Football coach or whatever. Yeah, 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 high school football coach. Like, what coach. would that voice sound like? Well, that, well, I would do Southern high school football coach, down and back. Y'all going right. to go down and back. Water ain't going to be for you if you can't touch both lines. It was so because, that's pre Ted Lasso. Yeah, yeah, yes. Good. And my dad, like my dad grew up in North Carolina, so I would hear mm. all these Southern voices. Yeah. And it like, that became, like before Galifianakis did his brother. Right. Which he initially, eventually did on baskets. I used to have an effeminate oh, Southern right. character yeah. because it's my father's best friend talked exactly like this. So why can't you do that? Because Zach did his brother doing that I on baskets. It just, but- it, it ta- it's too close to him. Right. I it guess just you- feels like someone will be like, that's Galifianakis's thing. Because he would do that because he had North Carolina. Yeah, it's like, I know. It was it's, too it's, close. It's a bit of a shame because that is uh, like when I do Al Gore, um, I tell the audience afterwards, I say it's not uh, – it, it has nothing to do with anything other than a Tennessee gentleman. <laughs> I take umbrage fine, madam. And so my abstraction with him – is that I have him be sort of a metrosexual with lotions. Right. And I'm, I'm moly size and I'm soft size and I'm a buttock thigh, inner thigh, out of thigh. I'm moisturizing <laughs> as I'm a tennis gentleman. So that, and I don't really care about accuracy as much. I just abstract it, you know. Yeah, but. because, well, because then you give something for people to hold on to, even if it's far off. But that's why I was always impressed by, like, my, my, I grew up in Chicago and then, the the Harry Carey that was done really wasn't as Harry Carey as Harry Carey is. Right. But now everyone's impression of Harry Carey is exactly yeah. Will's. It's like... Yeah. you Yeah, you can't not... But that's what's yeah. so good. Like, yeah. w- w- almost all the characters you did, I believe those are the voices more so to me than they were in real life. Like, when I would hear you do a character... Mm-hmm. If you put If you put a recording of two people of the real person and your right. character... I bet you I'd think that your character was the one because of yeah. how often I heard it. I think I get bored, too, sometimes. Part of it is just I want to abstract it because I'm kind of bored. Yeah. So I've, after Ross Perot, for you uh, older people, you know, by, by the end, I was like, can I finish one time? Yeah. That was it. <laughs> yeah. Can I finish one time? I turned him into James Brown. <laughs> Can I finish one time? Can we go on the one? Can we go on the one? So that makes me the happiest is these abstractions. Yeah. You know, and uh, so I was doing the price of math. So that is that part. And then I broke the whisper into the yell, which really works. Yeah, that and works. And I brought it. It's still developing. I brought it into my dad used to do that. He would whisper in a patronizing, you fucking idiot way. Like when he was, when he was upset at you? Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. I can't talk politics with you because you don't know shit. <laughs> it was really soft. And Biden's like, come on. I, I, guess what? Guess what? I wrote the bill. I said, no, I write a bill. I wrote, wrote the bill, the down the bill of every time the bill back the butter. Can't believe it's not butter. So can't, it doesn't make any, but can't, you know. But I yeah. was doing Pirates of the Caribbean, but now I'm doing, it always ends with can't believe it's not butter. When you, when, <laughs> is there, is there so, people that you took from like childhood that also made its way into a bunch of well, characters? Well, Brad is Garth. Yeah, your brother. Yeah. We, but, could, we yeah. could call him now. Hi, Hi. this is Brad. 
Is that what he's Oh, yeah. He even talked about that. And yeah, he's a totally. genius engineer, and that's why you made Garth kind of this Yes. Yeah, the brilliant... stun gun, Brad told me how that would happen with the battery pack. When he, I'd like to get Biden now, you know. <laughs> so that was, that's a thing that the whole is greater than some of the parts. Why is the cutting off of that final word, it, it's like a song, you know, I'd like to get Biden now. Mm-hmm. If he said, I'd like to get Biden now. It, no, it doesn't work. No. Thanks. I like to play. It's something about that, right? right? So the minute I rolled into it and I was doing it in my stand-up, it always got a laugh. Did you, know? you improv the what's that, the it's Dan Makita's? Was that improv mm. when the camera tur- flips or no? Was it Probably planned? not. I don't know. I feel like that because when I saw I, I just like that part of the discomfort and you go, what's that? I love that the camera flips with you. Oh, I, that might have been, yeah, because that, that sounds like just one of those lines they needed, yeah. Yeah, that you were fucking around and you just wanted to get out of it. Yeah. It, it was so good because... Inside the even inside the movie felt like Garth didn't want to do the movie. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It felt like it was so subversive. It was like, man, Garth doesn't even want to do this fucking movie. Garth has his own his own lane in his yeah. own world, you know. Yeah. But it's funny when things are put on film yeah. and then time passes. And then yeah. it's like, oh, is this some crazy cool thing or not? But that's like, okay, what do you want to do before Mike comes in, Stan Makita's, because he's having trouble with his girlfriend? So I just said, well, I'll play with these donuts, you know. Yeah. Hey, get away from me, donut man. You know, this is such a silly... <laughs> it stayed in, you know. And those but those are the, are the things, things you want to... It's, I'm glad they keep those stuff. Well, that was... I'll give Lauren Michaels credit because a lot of times I'll, be, I'll get a little too esoteric and I'm not like an engineer explaining what I'm doing. Uh-huh. So when he... I had this notion that he was so threatened by Rob Lowe's character that he he was going to try to kill him, but mm-hmm. he was making a mechanical hand that would do the task, you know? <laughs> and so he's trying to finish it up, but Rob Lowe comes in too soon and the hand starts moving and right. it can't happen now. So that's when he smashes it. Yeah. So it's some of the previous, cause a lot of the jokes are really telegraphed. There's a sexy woman swing, you know, everything yeah. is nice and clear. And then like, what is, what is this scene about? It sort of was lying there, you know? And there, there were people like, I think we got to cut the scene. And then Lauren Michael said, it's, it's one of those things that uh, 20 years from now you'll see it and you, you'll be glad that, that it's there. He's right. You know, so yeah, because that, 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 that stands out to me. I never understood when I was a kid yeah. what that was for. What I assumed, my, in my mind, it was Garth was bored right. because there's a lot of downtime in filming. Right. Uh, the, filming the Wayne's World show of four for them right so, so he's just backstage so he's like days. yeah my, to me that it's could like, be true too he was whatever building. your backstory is just as true as my backstory <laughs> you know what i mean yeah well you made it so i don't that's why i uh, know that was my my theory but now i'm thinking yeah well he does they're they're on the set they have a lot of time around the set yeah i just it, assumed he was building stuff and i kind of secretly wanted it to come back funny. at some point where it was like <laughs> Garth built a entire human being and everyone's unimpressed. In my mind, mm-hmm. it would have been one of those moments where they're like, Garth, is that a guy? And you're like, yeah. just a friend. Yeah. And it's a full-sized robot. Yeah, I'm calling him Bob the Robot. <laughs> you know, as long as he has a little name, he's happy. You named him Bob? There's Bob? so many names you could have named him. Yeah, so, you know, so that's... It connected with me so deeply because as a Chicago mm-hmm. kid too, Aurora was like... We we fucking know Aurora. We live close. Yeah, it was so true. soaked in my soul. Even though as I got older, I learned how much of that was shot in L.A. I mean, it was 
It's they all, found towns that look kind of middle America. It's Burbanky, you know? though. It feels like yeah. you know, it's the, not. It's not really Aurora. But right. you meet people from Aurora, and they're so excited to meet me because Aurora. Right, right. They're like well, that's my town. But yeah, it's it's so surreal to me because I I'm such a fan of movies, and I think about Monty Python or whatever, and and then to even be in that continuum in any way of a movie that people will see. But thank God they didn't. They didn't smoke. Drink. They didn't. It's kind of a clean movie. I oh mean, yeah, I didn't. I didn't there's think only about that. Schwing or Sphincter says what, which is such a great fucking line. Sphincter says what? What? Yeah. So that's uh, that. So yeah, there's no drinking at the nightclub either. No, they don't drink. They don't smoke. Uh, the red rope licorice that I did. Since you guys know the movie so well, yeah. And the MC Pacer, because one of my brothers was a red rope fanatic, and so that was right. just always always eating red rope. So you're like, you know. we should put that in the light. Instead of having it, because it was like a domed ceiling. Yeah, it was light. a domed ceiling, and it comes down. <laughs> it was just fun. I mean, the uh, with AI, could we do another one? <laughs> I would love to. Yeah. Hey, let hey. me. Can I? Can I? Uh, can I just be there for the for the remake of you it? You could be the manager of the new manager of Stan McKee. What does he sound like? Um, what what's what's your favorite accent to do? Probably like a like a hardcore Chicago. I wish there was one. Well, yeah, there, there is we Bill. There is like a very like a. Uh, I can't do it. Rip the heart out of a man, yeah, and you show it to him right before he dies. Yeah, that was Ed O'Neill. Was well, no, no, no. Oh, yeah. The what's the other guy that was there at the bar with Ed? Yeah, yeah. He had a Chicago accent. I can't remember that actor's name. Bill Murray's brother, I think, who put on that. I think so. Was it? Yeah, yeah. But I wish there was more deep because Chicago is my favorite. Because growing up around it, it's almost like everyone has a little bit of an S lisp up up top. Yeah, and. I, just the deepness of it is just so. <laughs> it's very specific. That's great. And it sounds, you know, and you could be unintelligible, but it sounds fine. It's, yeah. it sounds, it always, it's, it, there's something about the accent that's heartwarming because you're like, oh, is he a brilliant idiot? I can't tell. If he's, he I could know. be a genius or a total dipshit. I was in awe of the, mid, the Chicago people, New York people. I mean, as a kid, I always thought the East Coast could beat the hell out of the West Coast. Well, because you're a Montana kid. Yeah, I mean, and I we went there every Francisco, summer in the yeah. Bay Area, but yeah, anytime you see a Scorsese film or something like that, you know, you wanted something kind of funny. Yeah. So I was talking to uh, Joe Pesci. Um, Pesci. You know, the Pesci. He just had a phrase. We were talking about fighting or whatever. He goes, he goes, son, hey, you got to fight, you know. I, I, I say it's a sugar bowl across the nose. So a he, sugar bowl across the nose. So he clearly had done that. Yeah, yeah. You know, he clearly, <laughs> there's guys around, he's reached for the sugar bowl, and boom, right in the bridge of the nose. You know, That's, that was his fight. Sugar technique. bowl across. <laughs> Sooner or later, sugar bowl across the nose. And I asked him, do you know when you're in a brilliant scene, like in Goodfellas, do you guys kind of look around afterwards and go, what the fuck? Yeah. He goes, hey, just lock in. Just lock you in. Just lock in. That's it. Yeah, he feels like one of those guys that uh, he just, yeah, so, he would say stuff like, yeah, it was good. And you're like, no, it was amazing. He's like, well, I don't know. What do you, what do you know? Yeah, know. What, what are you going to do? Well, you sugar roll across the nose. Well, that guy, you know, got out of show business like in 2000, became a musician. He never wanted to really do it, you know. Well, the, well Became his, a musician, had yeah. the album and stuff. Singer. Yeah. One of the great. Now he's back. He's, he's in Bupkis. He's humming yeah. again. Yeah. He's humming again. He's humming again. Um, do you, I want to I wanna ask you, because I watched, we talked, Coney and I were talking about the, the documentary about your show. Oh, Coney. Coney watched the documentary? He, yeah, he loved it. Well, I, we loved the show, and I watched... And I'll tell you the real story. Yeah give, yeah, give me the real story. What was taken out that didn't end up in there? What, what did you really want to leave in there? Well, uh, there was just... It was a little more complicated because I had, um, you know, I had two kids, and I really... 
I, I wanted to do it on HBO, you know? Yeah. Because it was, you do 10 episodes yeah. and take a year off. It really can fit into your lifestyle. So 22 on a network. Tough. And I'll take, I won't blame anyone, but I was sort of seduced into that model. Blame somebody. We know who it is. Go ahead and well, say it. Who did it to you? Uh, my manager wanted it there. Yeah. Uh, I think Louis and Robert, my partners. Remember Louis C.K.? No. He's a good stand-up. What is he? Good, you check him out. Check him L- out. Louis? Louis? Yeah. L- yeah. Louis, uh, look up Louis C.K. L.K. Uh, I think they wanted the big toy box, you know, and prime time, you're going to get a bigger budget. But later on, Chris Oliver, HBLC, would have given us about the same. In the end of the day now, it was kind of cool. Uh... It, we got shit on after I was, you know, with the teats with Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. We were just lambasted. And so it was kind of cool later on. People, no, that was actually, we didn't even do anything blue, basically. After, I mean, it wasn't really blue, but it didn't belong after Spin City or Home Improvement. No. Because when they're seducing you, Bob Iger's in the room. We want you to do everything you do on Saturday Night Live. Don't worry about it, kid. Mm-hmm. And then you get the ratings. We started at 16 million wow and then after by the time clinton's going i fed the nation and these teats will heal the world it went down to like three million it was a dropping off yeah historic now what did you like about the documentary i i lo- i actually <laughs> love well i love what i loved was <laughs> what'd you like about well it? Well, well we talked about we said you say louis louis kind of like uh a distant fade in that. Is that because of everything that happened that it was kind of like pulled Louis out of the documentary a little bit? I would have kept him in there. I mean, you know, uh, he he was the head writer. I was sitting with Louis and thought he was, Robert said, meet Louis. And I thought, you know, talked to him. Some, seemed really smart. Great writer. Yeah. Did the stupid pranksters where Carell almost killed himself. Yeah. You know, <laughs> working so hard. Veins popping out. Like, um, so, but yeah, I don't think uh, artists can be um, canceled for uh, for Louis uh, thing. I am, am I trending now? Um, <laughs> am, am I trending and or canceled? Uh, yeah, I didn't reach the definitional thing of me to say yeah, we're going to erase you. Sure. What about you, Andrew? <laughs> In here. We pour whiskey. This episode of Whiskey Ginger is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything from products to content to time. All in one place, all on your terms. I've been using Squarespace for a long time. Uh, Created some of my first sites uh, when it came to touring and putting up videos and stuff using Squarespace, they had these beautiful templates because I'm not a person that knows how to create stuff on my own. You should see how horribly decorated my home is. I need help. Please, someone give me a template. That's what Squarespace provides. Great templates um, to help you build something beautiful. Whether you're selling stuff, you're a personal trainer and you're selling your time, you're an artist uh, and you're selling something you've made, or you just want to showcase your work and let people in this world see what you're up to. Uh, they have uh, online stores there that you can sell your products, whether you sell physical, digital, uh, or service products. They have the tools to help you start selling online. Um, they have these flexible templates that are great. A video collection, you can host video content on there. Uh, my favorite thing uh, that they have on there is the analytics. You can use these to help grow your business. It, it shows me where you're coming from, so I know where I'm coming to. Uh, it tells me where my audience is, where my fans are, helps me organize tours. You can learn where your site visits are coming from and analyze um, the channels uh, to make it the most effective so you can prove your website, uh, build a marketing strategy based on your top keywords, most popular products, content, search. It's brilliant. It's amazing. 
I like to keep in touch with my audience, and Squarespace makes it so simple to do so. So if you're looking to make a site, why not try Squarespace? Go over to squarespace.com for a free trial. When you're ready to launch, use the squarespace.com slash whiskey to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Once again, squarespace.com. All right, you get a free trial. If you're ready to go, go to squarespace.com slash whiskey to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Check it out with Squarespace. Maybe you've heard of Gooder. Maybe you haven't. Gooder makes $25 active sunglasses that don't slip, don't bounce, and are 100% polarized. Love it, baby. Love that sheen on my shades. All right? Uh, Gooder sent me a bunch of shades. Loved them. Put them on. Real sexy, real smooth. You know? They had everything from the old school, the OG, uh, to something more stylistic and unique. They're lightweight. They're super comfortable. They're 100% polarized. Uh, There's a ton of cool colors. Uh, If you're active... You know, you like running, um, you know, or, or playing a sport. They don't slip or they don't bounce. They're light enough that they stay clinched to the frame of your face, and they're very, very easy to clean, okay? They're only 25 bucks a pair. What more do you want to sunglasses, all right? I enjoy them very much. I like cycling through sunglasses. I like to change as my day goes, you know? Sometimes I want to wear darker shades. Sometimes I want to wear a lighter frame. You know what I mean? I want to switch it up, baby. And with Gooder, you can't. They got a one-year warranty. 30-day free returns, free returns, 100% satisfaction guaranteed. They know you're going to like these shades. And the best part is they're 25 bucks a pair. You can, you know, switch them out all the time. Uh, Gooder's a 100% carbon neutral company, right? 1% for the planet, plus 1% for the planet. That's huge. These guys are great. Um, I really enjoy Gooder. I think they're uh, they're wonderful because expensive sunglasses just aren't for me. Uh, I like lightweight and affordable uh, for running. I do like running in sunglasses and also playing golf. Uh, when I put them on my face, they look nice because my face looks nice and they look nice. It's it's a tag team, baby. Try it out. If you want affordable sunglasses that are lightweight and do not slip or bounce on your face, if you want to uh, support this show, pick up a pair. Gooder is giving Whiskey Ginger listeners free shipping on your first order. Go to gooder.com slash whiskey. Use the code whiskey to get free shipping. Gooder offers a 30-day money-back guarantee and 100% satisfaction. Come on. Why not give it a try? Find your pair at gooder.com slash whiskey. Use that code whiskey to get free shipping. Ginger. I like gingers. That, you know, the cancel culture is a very uh, well-worn and sort of tricky topic. Well, it just, feels, it just feels sometimes like there's a level of avoidance uh, always in our business when yeah. they're like, I don't want to. I don't, I don't, yeah, there's soft canceling. Yeah. There's just, how about this guy in the podcast? You know? How about this person? Mm, you know, so there's soft cancel. It's not like official. Yeah, you no, know? it's not. It, well, yeah. it's not, not set in stone. But the anti cancels. Can we get him? Can, can we, we get Santino? How can this? we? How can we get him? Can we get Santino? Have you seen the downloads? <laughs> Have, do you know what they're doing? Do you know how far? Do you understand that Bert Kreisner can play a stadium in he, Munich? Yeah, <laughs> two of them. It probably do too. <laughs> we so, we played the Gorge. We played the Gorge in Washington. It was fifteen thousand people. Yeah. That's what I mean. You guys are badass rebels. Well, here's what, I'll tell you why. Creating this universal new new global order of comedy. Because in your generation, you I guys had Carson, and Carson could bless you. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have that. I mean, like no. Conan, your buddy Conan. Mm-hmm. I did Conan once. There's my mm-hmm. card from Conan. And, uh, and, 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 and I did Conan once. Yeah, my yeah, generation, yeah. doing Conan and all that stuff was huge. Yeah. But it still didn't bless you the way that your generation got blessed. So we were fist fighting our first 10 years in stand-up to try to figure out how the fuck are we going to get up? It just didn't make sense. So Mm -hmm. when I started headlining 
um, you know, like B rooms even, getting like, you know, yeah. 600 bucks and losing money getting there. Right. We were all kind of struggling to figure out what would it be? It's either land a TV show. Right. Uh, or SNL. Uh, SNL. Sitcom. Hopefully. Or or you get into a, uh, a a network world of like, you know, writing and working with other people who are already kind of cooking and they mm-hmm. slide you in, so to speak. You know, right. you get a guest star here, a guest star there, and then it slowly shakes its way to the top. But I think the podcast world and all this stuff was a way to just go, okay, fuck it. We'll just talk to the audience. If they want to see it, they want to see it. And then it became obvious to them that they're like, well, I don't really want to hear who so-and-so says I should like. We'll just find out ourselves what and we'll go see them. Into? What year were we? I mean, I started doing, po- I started podcasting this show six or seven years ago, mm-hmm. but I started getting yeah. into other people's eight or right. nine years ago. People had them and we would kind of do them. And I did Rogan years and years ago when I first met him. And then it slowly, it slowly kind of carried into going, okay, well, this is the best way for someone to see me be funny, mm-hmm. talk to someone I yeah. admire or respect. And then that was kind of the beginning of this new world order and that the, we're living in. And the in. misery index uh, is completely defeated. Because you are your yeah. boss. You are your boss. You, you say what you want. Yeah. I mean, this. I'm just glad I hung around long enough for this to happen. It's great. Because uh, I had a podcast I did without a company called Fantastic where I would do 10-minute rants. You know, I, I have Fauci singing and all kinds of stuff. You know, I had running <laughs> gags where Obama kept asking to come on the podcast because it was audio. Let me on. Let me on. No, no. Can I, am I on today? Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry, man. Um, My sister's coming on. Yeah. She's, she's oh, housewife from... Connecticut, instead of a former president. Michelle, <laughs> no, I'm not on today. Nope, nope, sister's going on. Dana, do you know how to trend? I mean, do you understand numbers? You know, so it, he became a running guest and things like that. Yeah. It's stuff I would do backstage. I mean, Kevin Neal and I would laugh ourselves silly doing Hans and Franz for five hours. And then we had to distill it, distill it, distill it, and then land it. But yeah, the funniest stuff is always. Who wrote Hans and Franz? Hans and Franz. <laughs> you guys no, wrote it together? Kevin and I thought of it together, and we wrote it together. Once we hatched it, then Conan liked it, Smigel liked it, Jim Downey liked it. People could come in and write for the... Let's try to write one now. Like, yeah. if it goes like the girly man thing, some of the classics are, Arnold could flick you with his, ba- with his little finger. Easily. And you would fly across the room and land <laughs> in your own baby poop. It doesn't even make sense. So the guy is, has baby poop over there <laughs> and he's going to be flung back into it. Yeah, why? So don't undo your belt. You might cause a flavalanche. <laughs> Just a pun. You're right. You know. You're, oh, this one I, I particularly like. Your buttocks are like marshmallows. You're lucky we don't have a campfire here. So they're threatening <laughs> to burn this guy. It's the most sadistic thing. And once we once we knew they were never going to lift weights and they were just paranoid, delusional people fighting imaginary enemies, and if you doubt us, like they're just in a cable, you know, there's right. no one. To, if you don't think we're properly pumped, we could very easily come to your house and pump you into the cry like a little baby. We stretch the flab of your back into the shape of a rope ladder. So you can crawl down into the sewer because that's where Lewis has lived. <laughs> I mean, it's poetry for me. I mean, that still might be the thing that makes me laugh the most, those, those word packages. of where did, where did the accent come from? We saw, uh, we were on, we, we, meaning Kevin, Dennis, and I, did a little tour after my first year of SNL. Church Lady was huge, so that was, which yeah. is a whole other story. Were that's, you doing Church Lady on stage too or no? I would. Yeah. Yeah. Did you write stand-up for Church Lady? Church Lady was part of my stand-up. I didn't come out as a church lady in an hour of stand-up or 70 minutes. You know, I might do three minutes. Right. It was just talking about church. Um, 
you know, we were Lutheran, Catholic light. We would miss a lot of Sundays, and we'd come in, and the church ladies would go, well, well, well. <laughs> Apparently, some of us only come to church when it's convenient. Mm-hmm. So that was the end, and then it went to infinity from right. there. But just as an insert, because that happened to be on the first show, my first show of SNL, we're just doing the, doing the read-throughs. The week's going on. I don't even know where I am. What what I didn't even know what the cold opening was. Right. And we're just going through the week, and then... I was not, I, Neil Young came and said to Lauren, do you have someone to complain, an old lady who would interrupt me in Madison Square Garden on Wednesday night? So he, Churchley was, he knew of the character. He goes, so I went to Madison Square Garden three days before my first SNL and interrupted Neil Young. No. Wow, what's all this noise? All that stuff, can you believe it? So <laughs> Phil Hartman, the late great best friend of mine, he, and John Lovitz, he, um, he said, I think we should try the church lady, you know. So that got on the show, barely. Right. It was the final one. And then it got flipped after it killed. The minute I, like, I was so fucking nervous. Trying it for the first time on the show. Yeah, and in the dress for the first time. (laughs) And the the Sigourney Weaver's there, Victoria Jackson. The crowd's there. It's, we got to hit the ground running. The first time the show ever didn't get a full season pickup. We were told if we don't hit the ground running, this is, they're going to pull What year, that's 80? 86. 86 was the first time they were like, we'll give you half. Yeah. Wow. We'll get only time. Yeah. So then Victoria does her, and Jesus said this, and Jesus said that. So I just laid in, well, isn't that special? Boom, huge laugh. Then yeah. that was like, and then I got to do Chop and Broccoli at the end of the show, and I did um, the cold opening, but I didn't know I was in the cold opening with Phil and Jan. So that really, really helped me. Um, when you put on the dress, yeah. did you? Did it make you chuckle every time you put on the dress, like to, to, to lay into well, the character? Well, it's funny because I knew immediately that she was going to be androgynous. So yeah. there was people around like, and we'll fit you for this, and lip, lipstick. And, no, no, she is completely androgynous. And, uh, you know, when I put the wig on and the thing on, I look in the mirror, I go, that's a really potent character. Yeah. That's a potent, judgmental you know, it looks like most of the nuns I grew up with. Yeah, it's like every nun I ever saw. And the religious people, my mother-in-law is Irish Catholic. They loved it. The uh, uh, Liz, Leslie Jones said the black churches went crazy for it, so yeah. everyone loved it. And you know, I came from the Coneheads. Guess what? They had Coneheads. <laughs> so the church lady. There was a period of time they wanted to give her a name. I go, really? So for one episode, she was named Enid Strict. Enid Strict. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, the church lady is just more pump pump. Church lady, church lady, church well, yeah, lady. Yeah, that's what you'd call them as a kid. Um, the church ladies. Wait, go back and tell me about the Hans and Franz on tour. Well, we're on tour. Kevin lived in uh, Germany for a period of time, so he kind of had an accent now. So he saw Arnold on TV, and we made a poem out of it. So Arnold is the guy that everything in life he's got figured out in a great way, and everything's very simple, yeah. and he says it very slowly. You know, when you're traveling, you want to get the work out in. So you run the stairs. You run the stairs at the hotel. You get back to your room. You take a nice light shower. You put on a white cotton shirt, and you're ready for the evening. <laughs> and it always ended with you're ready for the evening. evening. So we were doing that crazy driving Dennis Miller crane. Okay, Hans and Franz again, fellas. All right. <laughs> Let's, let me guess. So the end with that's uh, ready for the evening. That's a pithy moniker. Okay, that'll light up a T-shirt. <laughs> but anyway, so we we went from there, and then we were on the phone one night, and I'd come up with, and we want to pop you up, almost making fun of catchphrases. Mm-hmm. You know, and I yeah. just, we want to pop. We have a catchphrase. You cannot feed it. You know, and then Kevin was the one who said, and if you don't believe us, 
And the minute he said that, if you doubt us, we went off giggling for an hour. Right. Because it's just, yeah. And if you think you could come and be, compare yourself to our muscles, you're sadly mistaken. <laughs> Look in the mirror and what do you see? Girly it's almost man. flirtatious is why it's Well, funny. it became because I get bored and like to abstract things. Yeah. And also they had the, the black limit. Yeah, the, the gaff. So that would go on. And then uh, I didn't want to smear it. So I would be like this for a few, and I'd look in the mirror, and suddenly it looked like he was looking at me. I'm stronger than you. <laughs> and so I started, plus I was the smaller guy. Yeah. So I took it further and further until, again, had nothing to do with sexuality. It was just someone so pleased with himself. It's langorious. Can you believe how properly <laughs> pumped I am? And so then that kept making me laugh harder. So that prevented me from getting bored because when I get bored, I get flat. Right. That's why by the end going, nah, can't do it like that. I was still intrigued by the character. I wasn't bored because who knew? It was insane. But when it goes abstract, that's what, like, the rhythm that you guys took from the Arnold part that I liked was Arnold, and everyone has an impression of Arnold, but the beauty of what those do is it's almost like he's a guy that assumes you don't speak English well. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? The way he says stuff, he's like, you know, in the shower, you know the shower. He's explaining to you, you're like, yeah, I know what a fucking shower. He's like, but if you rap early, it's going to get wet everywhere. You know the water will be. (laughs) See, see, you got a good ear. But but uh, what that did well was almost like you're explaining to people as if... They don't. It's like, how do yes. you not get it? It's fun. It's it's interesting you point that out because I sometimes do this bit that when he was governor, he would talk to us like we were in grade school. Yeah, and there was a fire in Simi Valley, and the fire's growing in the mountain, and the firefighters look in the telescope and they go, "No, no, there's a fire," <laughs> and they get on the fire truck, the hook and ladder, beep beep, you know, you beep, know, beep, like beep, a, you know, and then they unwrap the horses and put the water on the fire, and the fire's like, "I don't like this, I don't like, I don't like water on me," <laughs> and they go, "No, we're gonna do it anyway." So yeah, it's just that—that's the genius of Arnold. That. What accents do you think? So we jo- people joke with me on the internet because I'll do a bunch of different accents. Oh. Like I grew up when we moved to the suburbs, <clears throat> my next door neighbors were Indian, and my and mm-hmm. I became good friends with their son, mm-hmm. and we'd grow up together. And I would emulate him. And then now, and if I did it for years, yeah. And then in this day and age, it's you're so funny that people are like, oh, you can't, you can't do that. But you're like, yeah, but I, it's because I love this guy, and I'm doing an impression of someone I know. And yes, it doesn't. The hardest thing about accents and characters to me uh, is people sort of have made up their own rules over why or why not right. certain ones are okay. Yeah, And it's it's, it's a, but like, what is that about? I don't understand if you're like, well, if there's love behind it, I don't see why it's not okay. If it's, if it's yeah. vitriol, if it feels like I'm doing this to be mocking, then, yes. and it's obvious. That's different. It's different, but yeah. people, I believe people are smart enough to know the difference, but when I was a kid, my neighbor and I, we would, I would emulate yeah. his dad because his dad was very sweet and yeah. Everything was simple. Andrew, come over, and we come inside and yeah. give him, uh, take take a yeah. bite of the meal, and then you can go back out and play. But he wants to be here, and I would. So and that's I, good because it's really nice and real. Yeah, it's real, it's but it's not, subtle. and it's not me being like, "Don't I sound stupid?" It's me saying, right. "That's exactly what I heard when I was a kid." But but it is funny that now on the internet, people I, get I know people get weird about. It. What's the one that you wish you could still do that you maybe did before that you don't do anymore? Um. Well, I I was doing I used to I I did accents around the world a little bit, and that was a way of kind of doing all of them. That you know, the before language, everyone grunted. Mm-hmm. So even a guy in France, you know, they didn't we didn't have language or words. But eventually, some guy in the plains of France went, oh, 
Uh, he's pointing to the water. Uh, and they didn't get it. Uh, you know, so it's like that language thing. And then with India, I was doing, I'll probably get canceled for this, but no. it was just that the lilting, because I have a very good friend who's the director of cardiology at Cedar sinai And so when I do events for them, he wants me to do him. Of course. And he just talks like this. He's a brilliant doctor. We're going, first thing you must know is you're going to be all right. You know? <laughs> I mean, you're going to be okay, and it's going to be good. I just did an event, and I did it. I mean, he's just laughing his ass off. Because it's, it's endearing. There's nothing. Yeah. There's and, so, nothing... and I'm doing Dr. Shaw. Right. I'm not doing an Indian accent. Yeah. I'm just doing Dr. Shaw. The one that I thought was kind of, is talking about the origin of language and what I did. I don't do this now, but I was doing that the copacetic lilting language of of the Indian accent was because it was a trade route. So it had a very... Right. <laughs> Taking and receiving. Will you? Give? Will you? Will you? No. I will know. So that rhythm, it's coming from that. And then this one I couldn't do, but it was... Uh, this one's always killed, I said. What? And in Japan, that really cool guttural thing came from all the earthquakes. So they'd be like, Oh, so the You know, so you know, you run that by Bobby Lee or anybody yes. you want to run it by, but No, but that's great. that yeah. is great. That's like California earthquakes. That's why everyone was like, Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa man, whoa, man. <laughs> But I talk about, you know, I'm Norwegian and Irish, and so I talk about them, and the Norwegians are obviously not very bright because they, <laughs> I mean, no one would talk like that. So I, anyway, but. Um, well, that's, we can make a fun, they, they always say, like, you make fun of yourself. You're like, yeah, you can also make fun of those that you love. Like, also, uh, yeah. Redheads, we jo- we've joked on, uh, on Bobby and I show, is like, it's like the last. Red, Irish specifically too. Yeah, yeah. They're like the last group that everyone can shit on. Like redheads are yeah. open game. Yeah, why? Everyone can be like, look at this ugly freak, and everyone's like, yeah, look at this idiot. The internet is like allowed to take because redhead is, it's it's three percent. It what is it of? Uh, what percentage? Of the, what percentage of the world is red hair? It's I, but it's just one of those things where hmm. I don't know. We're still open game. We're like one of the last open yeah. game, and I like it because yeah. it's fun. It is. Like, South Park did a Kick a Ginger Day episode, which I thought was one of the funniest. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where they just are allowed to kick redheads. Two percent. Two percent. Yeah, two percent of the world's population. You know Blue Eyes only came in 10,000 years ago, I think? Yeah, who did it, by the way? People went Who's responsible for these blue eyes? I don't know. Dirty enough, the rest of us. Bioevolutionary history is never not fast. I always saw my whole family had blue eyes, and I, like, see my shitty brown eyes, and I remember vividly a girl in college goes, she goes, your eyes are beautiful. She was drunk. And I said, oh, thanks, at the bar. And she goes, they look like dirty lake water. And I, <laughs> so forever in my mind, when I look at my eyes in the mirror, I see like a shitty, dirty lake in the Midwest. That's what That's I think funny. about. Dirty lake water. It was very specific. They look like dirty you lake look water. look like dirty lake water. Dirty. Would you like to have sex with me? <laughs> no, so back to Joe Biden. Oh, because people said, guess what, folks? The rich don't pay their fair share. Because <laughs> they have to pay the share, Sharon Stone. The Stone Temple Pilots. But it's, it's boxing, boxing, signing share. Signing listen, boxing match, match game, game on. Got to get it on. Don't say gay, Marvin Gay. <laughs> <laughs> just I like that peeling um, from the last to get to the next. Peeling from the peel, yeah. Peeling those, from the last to get are, to the next. Those are kind of fun. No, it, it, I think we're we're the who who allows what's okay to make fun of is an interesting world yeah, for and characters. I think, and I think you're right. If the intent is not to hurt, to harm, to even harbor and 
negative stereotypes of any kind, you yeah. know, then I don't know. I did an Asian character on SNL, and I, I, and again, I didn't get into this to have anybody crying in the back of the club. Was right. sincerely hurt, right? No, you know, no. Uh, you're not like good. Fuck them. That you're, you, yeah. That, that was never it. Because I watched a documentary. This is from this last special, and I got lambasted for it. Maybe I shouldn't have done it, but I just saw a documentary around communist China, and then they have the sub. They have the person speaking in a lilting Mandarin, and then they have the narrator. You know, so it'd be like, I live in a village of ten million people. All we make is underwear. That's all we make. Because I heard of these mega cities that just mm -hmm. make socks or just make underwear. Right, yeah. yeah. And so that was just fake Mandarin. I don't know. I, I couldn't do it today. No. But you did it in your special? I did, yeah. But Would you ever do another special or no? Just because of, just because of the saturation of the market now. I would say that if there was... Um, if I had a setup somewhere and I would try to do... Because I come on to stuff and then I just... I peak with them and I get flat with them, you know? Why? Because um, I've extrapolated them as far as I can. Well, sometimes you have a bit that maybe you're, you're good with it and then it kind of goes into a ditch a little bit. You yeah. get a little bored, maybe you miss the setup and then it, you know, and then you some you add something and it is new again. Mm -hmm. I would rather do, you know, a five to eight minute special a month. Oh, really? Yeah. Would, is that something you're you're gonna do or I'm no? I'm considering it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a smart idea. Yeah, and I don't. I I think in general, I put myself in this category. It doesn't really capture it, you know. Well, especially they never do. I don't. I mean, it's tough. The only yeah. there's like a handful of guys. There's a few like Louis. I can watch Louis a million times and yeah. go. I this feels exactly like when I see Louis live. Louis has a a, a certain. Uh, I find you that word. Uh, he has a lane he occupies as a stand-up. Yeah. That's very unique because it's not. You're like, okay, that's a good observation. Like, why is this so good? Yeah. You know? But even this recent thing he did, he does uh he does like ten minutes on goodwill hunting. Yeah. You know, like yeah. wait a minute, okay, so so you can do that? Yeah. It's twenty five years old. <laughs> Maybe a lot of people don't remember, you know, and all about, you know, Matt Damon supposedly writing the script and how do you like them apples? And so he does it so beautifully, you're just like he is at, at his own level. Yeah, Chappelle does that, too. Chappelle will talk about, like, Cosby. Well, he'll talk about, like, Michael Jackson. And you're like, right. the Michael Jackson, is there a new one? Or what, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, he'll talk about it as if it just happened. But it does trick your brain into going, that feels recent. Even if it's yeah. a subject from before. Yeah. But he, I think the five to eight minutes is a good idea. Yeah, when you're just kind of coming on to something, it's not even completely done. And yeah. so it feels alive. You know, for me, it deadens it. Like when the last special I did, there was um, Friday night, the air conditioning broke or there's some technical issues. So it's like one shot, one kill. Yeah. After a year. So then, of course, you, you said one shot. I mean, I thought Sandler's was so uh, done so great. It was. Because the, it's the first time I've ever seen some a big comic in a special. And you can tell right now, Adam doesn't know if he's shooting a special. That's how loose he was. It doesn't because he like shot it a yeah. hundred times. Right. So then he's just fucking around with with with, with Dan Bula, and he's got the things. He's like, it was so. If it had been one night, yeah, it's just something about doing that. That was that was a smart formula. I went and saw him. We were in Detroit, Bobby and I, and we went over to watch him at the arena. Mm -hmm. um, and even then, it felt the exact same that his special does. But I think that's also the air of Sandler is very like. I'm having a great time. I hope you're having a great time with me. Where a lot of yeah. comics, 
and I suffer from it too, where you're like working so hard to make sure that it's working so well that mm-hmm. sometimes it has that same thing that you said, like the money dirties up the comedy where you're like, I just, I, the, the, I want it so bad to be good mm-hmm. for you guys that sometimes I lose out on having fun. I thought Adam was having the best time the whole time. Yes. Yeah. And you know, he's, uh, he's got his guitar and he's kind of singing. He's got like 10 guitars on stage. Yeah, he's that got was... his guitars and he's singing and then they're using really cool chirons or imagery. Or, yeah. You know, so it's like wallet, keys, chain, wallet, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, Sandler just brings uh, a sense of joy. He's just, just kind of giggling the whole time. Yeah, it makes you feel like you're with him. And I think you could, yeah, I think the formula, the old-fashioned formula of work on it for a year, have the company come and give you notes, and then you do it again. You're talking to your friends, and you're just squeezing it and grinding it, and I need this, and perfectionitis, and then here comes the cameras. You know, I don't know. I think it's it shouldn't be done that well, it way. Well, it also does a trick to the audience that I never like where they're... They know you're they shooting, know a, shooting special. a special. Yeah, yeah they're conscious yeah. of a special. So it's kind of like, how is this doing... What is this doing to them that they yeah. wouldn't have done before? That's what always bothered me. Could yeah. you hide the cameras? I thought about that. I thought, well, could you hide cameras... And then make them sign releases after it's over mm-hmm. and go, hey, just letting you know you're on cameras. Well, is okay. let me ask you a question. Like, say you're somewhere and the difference in the sets, like, like, um, do some nights you just feel like you're like way, way funnier just because you're just that loose or tired or whatever. And then you're tagging things and it's all at this other frequency. Yeah. Okay. So you have that style of comic that would do well from an eight minute special every month. Me, me, seriously, I would. See, here I am right now. Hey, great. Hi, great to be here. Well, I'm just saying, I'll be the production oh. company. Hey, great to be here. Uh, what's <laughs> you, up with? The, first thing you say is, I am not shooting a special. I'm not shooting a special. And this you, is not a special. And you're not watching a special. <laughs> so that none of this exists. In here, we pour whiskey. whiskey. Oh, the rabbit hole. I've talked about rabbit hole so much on this show. It's because I believe in the sauce. I really like the sauce. Uh, I'm introducing Rabbit Hole to some of you that don't know about it. And they're one-of-a-kind bourbon and rye whiskeys. Delicioso here on Whiskey Ginger. We enjoy pouring this stuff for our guests. It is very good. Uh, Their founder and whiskey maker gave up the 25-year-plus career as a clinical psychologist to pursue his lifelong passion to craft the world's finest spirits. Okay? Instead of buying aged whiskey, he went all in. Uh, learning from the best to develop his own recipes. No shortcuts, no compromise. Last year, uh, he in, he was inducted into the Kentucky Bourbon Hall of Fame's 20th anniversary class. That's pretty legendary, baby. Rabbit Hole's mission is to transform ordinary into the extraordinary, and their whiskeys prove it. Original mash bill recipes, signature malted grains, aged and hand-selected charred and toasted barrels. Uh, just award-winning small-batch whiskey made with passion and love, and you can tell. If you're looking for a new whiskey with a new perspective, skip that ordinary and sip the extraordinary. They got four distinct whiskey expressions. Today, uh, we were drinking a little bit of the uh, the good old Boxer Grail. Uh, I love this stuff. Uh, this is the rye. Uh, I'm not typically a big rye guy, but some days I enjoy this so much. Uh, this is award-winning, by the way, uh, Sour Mash Rye. It's delicious. They have the Derringer. Uh, that's finished in that PX Sherry Casks. They've got the High Gold. That's their double that's their double malt bourbon, their high rye double malt bourbon. And uh, Cave Hill is, of course, the OG. That's their award-winning four-grain triple malt bourbon. It is delicious. If you're looking to learn more about this, uh, go to rabbitholedistillery.com slash drizzly. Use the promo code RABBIT for $5 off your first order. Rabbitholedistillery.com is going to show you where all the rabbit hole is sold in your area. So jump down the rabbit hole with me. Drink responsibly. 
Summertime is coming to a close very soon, but it doesn't mean you can't still live in that summertime vibe, baby. That's why I'm here to tell you about Raycon. Raycon is the best way to listen to your tunes or podcasts or whatever you got inside of your ear holes. Uh, these Raycon earbuds are incredible. They got noise isolation and awareness mode. They got a 32-hour battery life, including eight hours of playtime. You can listen to what you want, when you want, for a really long time. They come with custom gel tips to insert inside of your little personalized ear. And they start at half the price of other premium audio brands, but they sound just as good. Raycon earbuds are incredible. They come with a 30-day happiness guarantee. Try it out for a month. Uh, so you really can't lose. What do you got to lose? I've been uh, using these Raycons to run with, which is great because uh, those custom tips, they fit comfortably in my ear. They don't fall out when I run. That's why I dig them. Uh, whether you're somebody that likes to listen to tunes or podcasts or anything at the beach, uh, Raycon is durable, sleek, sexy, and cool. Uh, and they also last a very long time. 32-hour battery life is very impressive, including eight hours of playtime. What else do you need in an earbud at a fraction of the cost of those overtly expensive uh, earbuds that are on the market right now? You want to put some tunes uh, inside of your head. Uh, might as well use Raycon for a great price, and they sound phenomenal. Create your own soundtrack with Raycon. Right now, Whiskey Ginger listeners are going to get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash whiskey. That's buyraycon.com dot com slash whiskey to save 15% off on Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash whiskey. Listen up. Enjoy. Ginger. I like gingers. That was something that, honestly, that Louie did, that a lot of guys did, that I always thought was brilliant, was Norm did it, where the specials opened with jokes. There wasn't a lot of, like, setup. It was like, I'm already on stage telling a joke. Yeah. I kind of was jealous of that, because I was like, oh, you fucking cut through all the fat. And you got right to say... Sometimes yeah. it was like you heard the laughter from a joke that he did before. They didn't even yeah. put on the special. Yeah, That you're like, you son of a bitch, you tricked me again. Yeah, I don't know what someone said. Paul Giamatti was on our podcast. Paul Giamatti came out upon us. And he went, he said, he just, he wasn't... What, and he's a very sweet guy, wasn't... He just saw a lot of self-deprecating or just a new style of comedy. I, um, you know, if, if there is a lane of kind of like... There's a lane thing. There's a lane, there's a lane, there's a lane. Of... Um, Coolness, that's all. Yeah. I still happily, Phil Hartman and I love it. We just consider ourselves clowns. Like, I'll fall down. I want to get you helpless. Right. And then the the bad badass comics is a whole other idea. Cool Elbow on the mic, you know? Yeah. So I was jacking off in front of my cat, right? The cat looks up at me and says, why are you jacking off, you know? I said, because I like to, you fucking pussy. You know, I just made that up. But uh, that crush, that would crush. Yeah. But I, I've refused my entire life to ever be a grumpy old man. I think SNL is the best it's ever been. I think comedy scene is the best it's ever been. Yeah. It's such a disease. Of, my day was so much better. Everything's worse, you know? Yeah. So I believe music reflects the society. You totally. Know, if it's if it's Taylor Swift or hip hop or whatever it is, that's that's what it needs to be. What's your music that you go home to? What does um, Dana Carvey listen to Frankie in his car? Avalon. Your big Avalon guy. Avalon. Don't ever fuck with my Frankie. <laughs> don't. Fr- no. Uh, I my my musical taste expanded. I didn't really discover Sinatra till I was forty. Really? And then I went, holy shit! I mean, I was aware of him. But yeah. Then yeah. I went, holy shit! Like listened to him. Really? Yeah. Got into it. And him. so. I was like, well, what, wow, what is this, you know? And then I, Harry Connick Jr. was at SNL. So I said, what is it about Sinatra? What is it? He goes, 
He goes, he can slide off the note, but not all the way. He says, I'm in. He's almost flat, but not flat. Yeah, it does sound like And he, so it he gives gets close. you all this emotion. Yeah. And also, in terms of Sinatra, you know the lyrics. He's way on top of the band, and you, you just hear the voice. Yeah. And the Beatles are like that, too. They mix really hot on top, not buried inside. But, um, you know, I went along the whole trajectory. But, yeah, of course the Beatles are seminal for me because sure. because of the age I discovered them. You know, like, say, who were you? What was the band when you were 13 or 10, 14? Nirvana. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Nirvana, yeah. for me being up the, the, the age ladder from you, <laughs> was new, was like, holy shit for me, Nirvana. Yeah. yeah. They were just, that was like... That was... The phrasing, the chord changes, right. and the simplicity of it, yeah. It, it, that was to, to me, it was like, well, I heard music. When I heard Nirvana, I was like, oh, this is like, yeah. this is rock what I like. This is what I like, yeah. I think. It, it was like everything I thought yeah. music should have been. John Lennon like and Led Zeppelin or something made a baby or something. Yeah. It, yeah. it had some Spoke kind of baby. weird phrasing. and um, it, spoke, um, it was just speaking to a generation. As you are, Ugh. as you are. Go ahead. And again, those minor notes and those... those uh, the phrasing and the uh, the melodies that he came up with, and then I also I, I Dave Grohl on the drums. I love that he he kind of spe- he would speak to them about his pain and also be angry about their misinterpretation of his pain. I always I've talked about this before, but the song in Bloom is so incredible because he's literally saying to them, "Yeah, all these fucking idiots that like my shit, they don't even listen to what I'm saying." Yeah. And he's literally saying that in the song. He says they, you know, they they sing along to the words and they have no idea what I'm talking about. It's so funny to yeah. to shit on the audience that is indulging in you because you're like you you aren't even listening to me. But yeah. I'll make a catchy tune and you'll sing that too. Yeah. Like John Popper did that blue that blues traveler song. Uh, where he's literally teasing the audience, saying, I'm not really saying anything, but you still like it. I wonder, you know, I mean, I don't know all the p- problems that Kurt had, and uh, but, you know, just clumsy analogy, but the Beatles finally couldn't tour. Just it was too insane. Too Someone much. was going to die, yeah. and they just screamed. They couldn't hear themselves. They had no monitors. It was just, it was over. Yeah. So we're just going to live in a studio. I think that, you know, you can start to... Because uh, my, I'm spinning around here. My brother-in-law is a PhD. His PhD was on Mark Twain, and Mark Twain lost all his money, had to put on the white suit and tour the world. And he said, "Why?" He asked me, "Why do you think he was so angry?" Because it's documented that he had contempt for his audience. Right. Because he felt like a wind-up clown, a mm. monkey on a string. <laughs> it's like me going out there in the dress. Well, isn't that special? Right. You know. So I think Kurt Cobain. I was someone who got to him. No, just. Just release albums. Don't tour. Don't tour. Don't be with the... Woo! Yeah! Yeah, yeah. Just it's, play one show a yeah. year, and that's it. Don't tour. If even that. Yeah. Well, that's why I feel like because there's just, a new... Just, in the new world, record. everyone, music-wise, like Taylor Swift, we were talking about that the other week, I like... It's it's such a big tour. It's almost not real anymore. Well, it's a... She's a nation state. This it, is like its own country. Yeah. Called... Taylorania. Taylorania. I mean, it's tilting the economy of the United States. It is. I, the, how, I read about it last night in the Wall Street Journal. The off-label impact of her, she'll come into a town three days early, and the, the hotels and restaurants, I mean, it's, she's an economic ecosystem. Wow. I mean, she's way beyond anything. She can shift the way the economy moves for a day in a city. Yeah. That's disgusting. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it literally, birth rates go up, demographics change, <laughs> there's more legal immigration. I mean, she is, she's a nation state, and God bless her. I mean, she does not seem, like I, 
like someone who's going to fall apart. She seems like she's got her head screwed on straight. And because uh, well, usually that kind yeah. of fame, that kind of money, eventually you, you get tilted. Some people do, some people don't. You like, know? did you see guys on your, when you were coming up, did you see guys that you, you saw the thing get the best of them? That you're like, oh man, you could have kept going, but it just. Because of just a too big of an ego. Well, so, or, or sometimes the thing eats people alive. I mean, sometimes it just, oh, they yeah. don't know how to do it and they don't yeah. know how to navigate it. I feel like you, not knowing you, but I just feel like you've done it so well your whole career of being someone who's constantly just been, you've just created and continued on your way and not let yourself get in your own way. And that's well, a hard thing to do as you get famous because you're so fucking famous. Um, Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. You are. No, and, but, but it's true, though. I mean, you don't I'll, get in your I'll own way. I'll tell you, and it, it all sounds self-congratulatory, but I met a lot of guys early on. You know, Mickey Rooney was one of them. And I met other actors. James Ferentino was another one. This is when I, they put me in sitcoms. I had no confidence. I just did whatever they took. They're going to pay me $7,500 a week? I have to do it. I yeah. did a lot of shit. Nobody took the journey I took. You know, I tested for Amadeus. I did Burt Lancaster and Kirk Douglas's last movie together, playing the straight man. Uh-huh. Hollywood wanted to hire me as just a straight, nice guy. But I met so many bitter people. And I thought, oh, this whole business is about getting you bitter. They fucked me. I didn't get what I should have. Right. And that's the biggest disease. Victimhood and bitterness, guaranteed you can't be successful. So, and for me also, I had to figure this out for myself. And I think you're a kindred spirit. Yeah. The fame, the money, the glory, the power, blah, blah, blah. But then there's also what affected young Andrew. Yeah. And just the romance, in a way, of trying to affect someone that way. So, like, Monty Python or Steve Martin for me, or in, and musically, too. I'm not a musician, I, but I play one. I have play guitar and stuff. But So it's like, I was going in, like, what really supercharged me was I was where Dan Aykroyd was in Chevy Chase. I'm in their studio and I'm affecting the audience like they were. That was always the goal. Mm-hmm. And then I had people in love with money. I just don't have a lot of material, you know. I mean, now I'm trying to get money because I got, I got a couple of relatives. You got bills to I pay. I got a couple of relatives, you know. Uh, and also I just thought, um, like when I went and did these two shitty movies and then the, the show that was canceled. So I went from, out, you know, Rolling Stone, Bob Hope gave me an Emmy. You know, I had two little kids, so I was just too much was uh, too much input. Yeah, it was a lot. I couldn't decide. I almost did the show that Conan did. They paid me a million dollars just to think about it. I had they to give act- you a million bucks to just go, let us know. I said to Brad Gray, "What? Wh- wh- how did you get me a million dollars? I don't with no commitment." He goes, "They got to make an announcement, and they want to float your name out." <laughs> you know, me and me and David Letterman on the cover of TV Guide. As gonna take, so I was tortured for a year. My wife wanted me to do the talk show, you know. Yeah, I didn't, I couldn't wrap my mind around doing an hour of TV every night, just by how intense I was about Saturday Night. So anyway, there was all this going on, and so then I had a botch bypass, which I'm fine now. Yeah, you know. So I was in such a fallow period, but um, that's when it was really helpful to me that I wasn't really thinking like some guys. I'll say this: they'll get famous. And they're terrified of being less famous. Yeah. Like you can feel the fear. If it's, is it going to go away? Am I not? You know, that yeah. kind of thing. I didn't have that. So that helped me sustain. You never, you never, you never once cared if it got dipped down or went away. Or no, wasn't I didn't. Pop- honestly, I just wanted to not make any shitty stuff. I just wanted to make cool stuff. Right. And so eventually during that time with the family, I was still huge in corporate standup, you know, and that was, 
nothing I wanted to do, but it just was something I could do and be a dad for about 10 years. Instead of instead of doing the show. Well, I tried to do, I did a movie, Master of Skies. That's a whole other story. Yeah. Um, and I just thought, I didn't, I was just not, I, I wasn't there for a year. Did you hate it? No, no, I love some of the work in that. I mean, I love some of the scenes. It came out a little funny. It's it's a cult classic now. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about it before you came. We were talking about it. There's a whole story to it. Even Rotten Tomatoes did a re-review 10 years later because they were kind of like trying to figure out what was going on with this movie. And it, it was a PG-13, but it was switched to a kid's movie right before we started. So oh. we had to rewrite as we went, me and Dino Stapanopoulos, who's Conan's writer, so we were in there and all that stuff of, uh, you know, the slapping dummy, you, you keep it, you know, the, the, the whole, how, there's a, how, you're, you're a blue belt, how many belts are, there's mm-hmm. 51 belts, all this really dry, weird stuff within this, I mean, we didn't know, we, it was almost written like a parody of a PG movie, because the, one of the studio executives said, you need, you need a, a monkey and a kid, it's a Disney trick. So we wrote Brave Barney Baker was the kid, that was his name. And the dog was called The Cuteness. Yeah. So we wrote it in almost a parody of PG movies. Yeah. And, you know, Robert Shaw from Jaws made, made it in there from the other script. Shaq going to Electric Cage going. You know, so it's a big mess of a movie, but it's colorful. And people yell, yell it out. And, you know, there's drinking games at colleges. Do you still like it? Like, if you watched it today, would you like it? Well, I, I don't. Unless I have complete control of something, I, I don't normally like the whole thing. Yeah. I don't, I'm not upset about it because it is a kid's movie, you know? Yeah. And if, if a five-year-old likes it, then that makes me happy. What do you have, what did you have complete control of that? I think Wayne's World won. That was the most controlled you'd have For a film. Yeah. In, in terms of the sketches, I was either driving it or working with Kindred Spirits, but the main things there, I liked all the stuff that worked there, McLaughlin Group, I had a great, a lot, a great run with Smigel. Is I'd come around doing Regis, and he loved that, and you know, same thing with Carson, weird, wild stuff, all that. I did not know that, and all that, and he loved that new take on Carson at the time, yeah, which I did too, and that was probably my single most favorite thing I did on the SNL as a performer, because kind of full circle to your point, that was the only time, and I'd been on a while. It took me eighty shows to even not be terrified. That was the only time I didn't. I wasn't concerned about the audience laughing. No, you just wanted to make it good. I knew it was so funny because yeah. my eyes are kind of close together. I put the get up on. I go, fuck, I kind of look like him. <laughs> and then that the, the it's almost like some of Arnold's rhythms, how he was so, he would bring the whole audience in. And then it became, for those of you at home, uh, you're watching a thing called a television. Yeah. And I'm not actually in your living room. <laughs> so uh, we're going to have a good guest tonight. So I just knew in him. And then he's, Ed, you know, Phil, hysterical. Ed's wasted. Just <laughs> you are correct, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the, uh, I did not know that. So the, it was just yeah. total sincerity in that character. Ed was the laugh button, but loved being Johnny, and I got blacklisted from the show. That's so insane to me. I know. The grudge. The, like, just but a, there was one sketch that just tipped over the line. What was it? He, um, we just, I think it was... Um, Chris Rock came on. <laughs> Chris Rock came on as Arsenio. Yeah. And Johnny was discovering for the first time. So I understand our ratings have actually gone down and yours have gone up. That was one. And then Susan Day came on. And this is 12 years after the Partridge family. And they, it was played that Johnny didn't know the Partridge family was off the air. 
He thought it was still yeah. running. <laughs> so, so on Monday morning or Monday evening show, sorry, Johnny apparently said that at the beginning during the monologue, you see that, Ed? We're senile now. You know? <laughs> so I feel bad about that. I did not feel anything but love for Johnny Carson, you know? And did you ever make amends with him? I didn't. I think it when He went to the grave hating Dana Carvey. I think that Johnny, there were other people. I understood that Johnny... Oh, there he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, you look just like him, too. It was unbelievable how close it was. Well, yeah. You really, uh, truly. Like, it it looked identical. Carson, Carvey, both Irish. It just looked the same, though. You have this, you you look like, like you looked young. You just look like a young Carson. Yeah, yeah. Because when he was young, he had that, he had just a slender face like that. Oh, yeah. He looked exactly. It's a fun, it's a fun. uh, Oh, is that right, Ed? Is that right, Ed? Fun personality. So, uh, so they call you Santino. So this is uh, your studio. It's a nice place. And um, do you have a celebrity guest on often, or you sort of uh, do man on the street stuff? A lot of man on the street stuff. Man on the street. That's always funny because you don't know what they're going to say, and sometimes there'll be a kick in the pants. That's right. Anyway, uh, so uh, hail (laughs) a little uh, scotch and soda. (laughs) How much did that? How much did that uh, bleed into when you did Jimmy Stewart too? Because it kind of has this, like the 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 Jimmy Stewart. That Jimmy Stewart. I didn't know who Jimmy Stewart was when I was a kid. Mm But then I heard you do it, yeah, and I liked him, and I didn't even know why I liked him. I know. That was a conscious thing of wanting to sound like Jimmy Stewart. That yeah. was like, I want to learn that, and it was like 1975, and I'd seen It's a Wonderful Life, and yeah. I just loved his voice. And then I'm driving around the Volkswagen Bug with my friends. This is all true, right? Yeah. <laughs> Peninsula at midnight, and, and it's like impressions. I don't know about you, but I'll, all I do is listen a lot. You know, yeah. just listen a lot and then hope something comes. I don't have any technique. Or... Do you not pick up one little thing and steal? Like, I've, I've talked then to Then I some... extrapolate it. Right. You take one little thing and yeah. then open it up like that? But but I was literally, usually it just hits me. I have voicemails of me trying impressions that are so fucking bad. Oh, I want to hear them so bad. <laughs> just to try an impression. <laughs> it's terrible. Is it a word? Do you find a word? Like with Jimmy Stewart always hung on me when the way you said, yeah. The way he said, yeah. 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 You would say it, and I thought that seemed like yes. an entry point to Jimmy. Yes. Like, what was the entry point uh, for Carson? Do you, do you do you like what was it that you go? Oh, I that sounds a, exactly like him. Gentleman joins us. It was just once I got down down in there with that thing, and then just observing because Rich Little did a really good one, but it's more Johnny in the monologue. Yeah. But just observing, I did not know that. Is that is that weird? Is that wild? Yeah, weird, weird and wild, wild stuff. <laughs> weird wild so, stuff. Uh, Apparently, I don't know if this is true, but when you're doing that, you know, I have a really good friend. His, his parents are from Nebraska, and it's that Midwestern sincerity. Mm-hmm. So when you do, Johnny, it's just you're very, you're very nice. You know, you're just, this is a, it's a handsome room. I like it. Uh, our studio was slightly bigger, but I like this one better. Yeah. You know, he was just a sweet guy. Um, with, with Jimmy, it, it was sort of um, reaching a lot, you know, because he, he would do that as an acting thing. He said, well, it, it kind of sounds natural. Not everybody knows exactly what they're going to say, <laughs> you know. So I do this in my stand I can do it here. To amuse myself, I've done things behind the scenes. And I don't really work blue, but I like the fancifulness because I, you know, I do Burt Lancaster and Kirk Douglas having sex. It was Bill Hader's favorite thing. Yeah. The greatest compliment I've ever gotten in my career, literally, was Bill Hader said, hey, uh, you know Bill, so he's a brilliant guy. Love love his stuff, man. But he goes, Lauren told me the funniest thing he ever heard or saw was you doing Burt Lancaster and Kirk Douglas. I go, wow, that's a great compliment. He never said that to you? No. No. 
Um, no, but I, <laughs> but I do a thing now because it it just makes me laugh. And yeah. it's just Jimmy Stewart getting a blowjob, and I was. It's not sexual. <laughs> it's not s- sexual. You'll see in a minute. When I did it with Catherine Hepburn, then the, they were waiting for Catherine Hepburn. So now I, just, now I just say I do these rapid impressions. Yeah, which are just fun. You know, George mm-hmm. Bush Sr. goes over a high dive, gets such an outsized laugh. I don't know if you have bits or like, <laughs> why is this killing so hard? Yeah. So he's just going, gotta do it. And I'm creeping up the stage. Yeah, yeah. Gotta do it. And he's looking down. Gotta do it. Not. Gotta do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't know why. Just, <laughs> oh, just it's perfect. Me. Oh, it's just perfect. Yeah. It so Jimmy be. Stewart getting a blowjob is just like, yeah, okay. Well, 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 just look at it for a second. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't want you to touch it. I just want you to consider it. Yeah, just 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 take a gander. All right. Now, now turn away ever so slowly. That's it. Just turn away. And now I, I want you to forget it. I, I want you to. You, you've never seen it before. Just put it out of your mind. Okay. Now, now look around. Slowly, I want to see you discover it again. Yeah, there you are. Yeah, yeah, that that I like that. That's good. Well, now get mad at it for a second. Just yell at it. Okay. Well, it's been a nice evening. Thank you very much. Yeah. Like, there is no sex. It's, it's great just, because it's the t- yeah. It's it's if you, you're pulling people into the tipping point, you never get there. It's not great. even close. No, it's right. just the the uh, I don't know the perversion of just just look at it now 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 forget it. You've and, never seen it. When I did it on Conan's podcast, deep dive, I had him leave the building. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna go get a soda around the building. Just just wait. <laughs> I'll be back. You know, it's just the idea. Forget you've ever seen it. Right. Uh, so that stuff I just do because it amuses me. I don't really think, is that sophisticated? Is that clever? I yeah, have but it, no it, idea. No, it is very but, much but so. I know it's ridiculous. You can't not laugh at it. Now it, just forget it. <laughs> it's easy to, to do the, the When you say Jimmy Stewart getting a blowjob, the immediate reaction is, is going to be blue. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. While well, yeah. it's happening. Yes. It's also, it'd also be funny if you did the aftermath of it, too. So you do the, the, you do the preamble. It's almost like... What it, what does he do when it's over now too? Like That's she, a, oh, he, they, she yeah. performs a sexual. Yeah, act because over. the beauty yeah. of this is you never even get to the sexual act. To right. me, it'd be funny if you also had <laughs> now when it's over, you post, know, yeah, yeah, the post, yeah, the post blowjob. Yeah. That's well, like. I, I just I just want I just want to thank you. <laughs> um, it, it, it was it was a delight, you know. It, it took longer than I thought it would, but uh, but 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 I feel I feel a great sense of relaxation. What's your name? <laughs> you don't. You don't really have a name. Yeah, well, um, I left it on the dresser. You're, 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 you're gonna be happy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that does wind me up. That's beauty because it's like uh, that's the stuff that I like the most because when I know it's coming, yeah, like anything else, you're like okay. But you know, yeah. it's great to throw in the the curve of it is what I that's what I really love about that stuff. Yeah, and the I, impressions I just that like the vernacular with Burt Lancaster and Kirk Douglas. It again, it's not pornographic at all it's just that 40s vernacular right you know it's like very uh transatlantic kind of like oh well it's got that i bear. want you and i want you now yeah <laughs> and i want all of it take it easy son two men having fun don't keep bucking around like that son i've only got so much play down there <laughs> you know it's that kind yeah. of ha 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 mm-hmm. and that's from doing a movie with them you know and t- did that now? Did learning they, it from did they hate ha- you after doing it? No, they never knew about it. Um, but I did a movie with. I learned to do them from doing the movie with them. You know, actually hanging out with the yeah. actual person. That's the best way. Yeah, you hear yeah. when you you start to emulate it enough, where you're like, yeah. now I can hear you in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Why do they call it whiskey ginger? Ha, 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 ha. You know, I don't know why they do. I think because the host has ginger hair. You know, they're just interesting voices, yes. even if no one's ever heard of them. Do you, do you remember... Uh, do you remember your audition for SNL vividly? Like, is it still stuck in your head? Pretty much. I had two. I had one at the Igby's. Right, and then one this, in New York, yeah. And then, and no, and then not in New York in 8H, and then it was in Burbank in a studio. Oh, really? And it was a, it was me and Phil. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what a shirt, by the way. I know. I know. I like uh, the pick, the rolled up sleeves. The rolled up sleeves. Is there a cigarette in there at any point, huh? <laughs> It but, is, it, it, but it, it does stick. I just, I've asked a lot of my friends that have done it. Yeah. And a lot of them blacked out a little bit when they did it because the, the nerves and they kind of just went through the set. Yeah. But you still feel like you could, like you feel like you remember being there and doing oh, it. Oh, yeah. And Lauren, I, I figured out later, which I've told people on uh, Fly on the Wall, David and I's podcast. Yeah. SNL Listen thing. to Fly on the Wall, Dave. Uh, Dave and, if you want. Dave, no, it's a great, Sorry, great show. Sorry, there's a library of 81. <laughs> it's a potpourri. More than a baker's dozen. Pick a name and have a little joy. Um, it's always fun. They, uh, Lauren, at one point, there was a fire alarm, I think, during my set. So I did, I did some, and then, you know, and then Lauren said, well, I did some piano. We've seen that. Is there, do you have anything else? You know? So I was literally doing stuff that I, I didn't even, I was just making up stuff at the end. I just started. Oh, you're improvising. No, I, I went, I ran out of everything I thought I was going to do. So then I just said, well, sometimes I'll consult like a a British guy. So I just thought it is for a while, you know? And they loved it. I guess so. But you know what, what, what was interesting seeing that and seeing some of these old timers, you know, they're used to comedians looking really funny. I looked incredibly not like a comedian. And Mm -hmm. if I would bomb or something, they just didn't, you know, I mean, that doesn't look like a comedian. (laughs) It's like... It looks like just a young lad. A a young lad, you know. Oh, is that the British thing? Yeah. 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 I had no jokes and didn't know where it was going. Or maybe I'm doing John Travolta. So. Yeah, that's Travolta. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell it's Travolta. I blacked out I, when I tested on on stage over there. An eight H. I blacked out. Yeah, I blacked out pretty hard. I just I I was so excited to do it that when I tested, uh, you know, they tell you say your name and all that. Just an easy hi, I'm Andrew Santi, and I walked up there and I immediately went into a character because I just was so nervous. You wanted to get to it. I just wanted to fucking. I just didn't want to waste any time, and I didn't really. As a stand-up, I never had been in that world, so I didn't understand the rhythm and pacing of it. Stand-up, I knew very yeah. well. But so I just dove into characters. And luckily, it did great. And, <clears throat> you know, Lauren flew me back out, and I sat in his office, and he basically told me... When I flew back out, I thought, well, I got the fucking show. Even my agents were like, you got the show! Like, the, well, yeah, why, why would he fly, fly you back out? But he flew me back out basically to say, you know, no, because it's, it's just you're not... I think... It, I don't know if this is the right verbiage, but he said you're not the puzzle piece we're looking for. But he said you're going to be fine, and it was a nice vote of confidence from him. But I think mm-hmm. he because he was deliberating between yeah. I was 31, and Same age, yeah. and he was and Pete Davidson was you know 19 whatever Pete yeah. was when he joined. So it was me, Pete Dan Soder, and one other comic, and I could just tell. Wow, wow. But but what what and I've given him credit without Lauren doesn't yeah. know me anymore really. But like mm-hmm. I've given him so much credit on pods and everything saying. It was the it was great because he was right that like he wanted someone young. They were looking for somebody young, mm-hmm. and I was thirty one, and I had kind of already done some stuff. So it yeah, he wanted someone that was a little bit more malleable. And I think 
uh, he was, it was the greatest pick ever. I mean, Pete was like the best choice he made. And I've known Pete since he was 16. And I was like, when he, when I heard it was Pete, I thought, well, that makes perfect fucking sense. So when I sat in his office, he just wanted to talk to me about being from Chicago, where are you from? You know, Chicago. And we talked sports and bubble. It's everything. And at the end he was kind of like, you know, in so many words, like you're going to be great. So when you would get wounded, like say that, what, how, were you just kind of bummed out for a week or a month? Or when I bombed at the comedy store after Kennison, I was pretty much really down for a couple of months. It hit me. It, it, that, the Lauren thing hit me in a way that I kind of, well, I, I, you know, being an Irish kid, it was like everything's pessimistic. You're like, well, they're never going to give it to me anyway. So when you don't get it, you're like, well, I, I lo- told you. Really? <laughs> well, like, I, I just, it's part of the Irish. Well, it's the just, Irish thing is like, well, can't complain. Well, but it's also like, oh, we don't deserve it. Yeah, no, no, it's not yeah. for us anyway. Yeah. We don't deserve it. Yeah. So I just feel like uh, we've always had this, like my family, this is always like, you're lucky to be there type of vibe. So right. it's always been like, well, I'm lucky to fucking be, I got here. This is great. I had a conflicted thing too. I mean, I had like no confidence, um, very much had issues with people pleasing and wanting to be a nice guy. And, but I had an other hidden lane of being incredibly competitive. Yeah, I'm super competitive. But always played fair. But if I would see, when I saw Robin Williams levitate the room, the way I talk about killing, yeah. I was like, I have a lot of work to do. Yeah. I got to get much, much better. Well, how were you guys? Oh, we were friends. Yeah, you were. Yeah, but it'd be, he would, I, the first night I did stand-up, I went, I was in Berkeley in a little coffee house. I just looked in the paper, and it was unknown comics were going to play. I didn't even know it existed. I'd only see Don Rickles or Richard Pryor. Yeah. But I, I, this is, I just left home. My dad was a monster. So I got out and I was free. So I went to the club and then the third comic up, they, they first were kind of normal open micers, like yeah. 10 people in the audience. Yeah. And the third guy up was just like going, you know, like, whoa, holy shit, what is this? For those of you on Essa, this is a Frisbee. You know, everything was deconstructed and he was never really on mic and he was booming and he yeah. was peak Robin. And so then I thought, I didn't know it was Robin Williams. I thought, well, if there's a lot of these guys... Maybe I'll be a carpet salesman. Yeah, you know, yeah, maybe fucked. this is not the best thing. <laughs> but that's that's so then we were friends, you know, he would come, you got more convenient pretty quickly, and then he was up back and forth to San Francisco. Robin's coming in, Robin's coming in, you might have a spot, and then Robin does two hours. You know, he would come like, to two at the two hours of the store. Yeah. Or, the or, sto- or at the Holy City Zoo was the spot. There were no comedy clubs. The first comedy club official in that era was the punchline seventy nine. So this was seventy seven, seventy eight where I was just barely starting, still going to college, San Francisco State. And so he would come in as a movie star and stuff. And, wow. you know, he would... Um, was Punch in the same place that it is today? Yeah. Same, like, yeah. yeah, same spot. So I lived there. I lived and rented a house, 10th and Cabrillo, with my wife, my girlfriend at the time. And then we met Paula Poundstone and, you know, uh, Bobcat Goldthwait. The Boston people came in. And Poundstone lived with us for a while, and she's brilliant. Did and, she pay rent? We paid her rent because <laughs> everyone wanted to help Paul in those days. Yeah. You know, she was so sweet. But uh, we, you know, it was all surreal. And then Robin, over the years, then I had insecure. I was doing these sitcoms. They all got canceled. Blue Thunder was a shit show. <laughs> and then I would go and play this other cafe, 70-seater in Haight-Ashbury, where it was not hard liquor and the crowd was slightly sophisticated. So that's why I first started, like, doing a character. Right. You know, and improvising. You know, rather than the biker bars, you know, show, you know, show us your dick. You know, right. like the blender. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ice. Yeah. So then you minutes. just get loud and blue. Right. You know, so that was really, really useful. And Robin, um, 
when I got on SNL, about eight months later, he called me. He goes, oh, I just wondered, you know, how are you doing? I mean, you seem to have so much com confidence and so many new characters. Where did, where did this come from? What, what happened to you? You know, and then he asked me whether he should do, um, uh, what was the movie <laughs> with Peter Weir with the school kids? Uh, oh. Uh, Good, not Goodwill Hunting, because I keep thinking. No, of no, those no. Guys. What's it, what is it with Peter Weir and him? Uh, and Peter Weir, Robin Williams. Robin Williams. Uh, oh, why can't I think of it? I know it's. I'm glad that you can't, so I don't have to think it's early onset. Peter Weir. Peter is, Weir. Weir. That's Welker. Weir. Peter Weir. Yeah, he's learning how to spell. He's a young guy. Dead yeah, poets. Boom. Yeah. Dead I don't know why I couldn't think of so that. So he's asked me about that and this director and stuff. So, and then toward the end of his life, he moved up to Marin County, and I was still up there. And we used to play the Throckmorton, this little 300-seater there, a lot. You two together. Yeah. We'd go on. I'd go on. Sometimes we'd, do, we'd go on stage together with Mark Pitta and these other comedians, San Francisco people. And that became a really big thing. That's one of the best theaters in the country. And so with Robin, um, we started to hang out. Because it was almost like I, I was so intimidated by him. But he was so incredibly sweet. What, what a split personality. I mean, the most powerful guy on stage but just would call me boss and hey boss you know and just very sweet and deferential to me you yeah know? if i was doing a good set he'd be in the wings like this <laughs> thumbing you up oh boss it was good set. good boss <laughs> so we became friends and we started kind of hanging out and stuff and then he he went to la because the sitcom yeah and then the rest is history yeah i just did not realize where that was at and it wasn't because the sitcom got canceled louis body dementias the disease he got he was in a hallucinatory state, yeah, and he couldn't really perform anymore. But I, you know, I still I see keep, I keep his voicemails. Do you do that? I keep people's. Oh yeah, of course. When passed. You know, sometimes when people pass, I call their phone. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's a very weird thing I've done before multiple times. But I call their phone before they disconnect it. Sometimes just to let it ring a bunch in the yeah. hopes that like, what if they picked up? I think about that sometimes. Ah, uh, it's funny when you see their name. A really good friend of mine died like three years ago and he was a he was a total uh brooklyn guy like queens type yeah, guy like New this York. you know real like first really close friend with that god rest his soul whenever he talked about his mother yeah god rest his soul and yeah. do the right thing you come know, on then do the right thing a, yeah do the right so, thing. like i hear he's he gave me really simple clean you know advice and so sometimes i'll just put his voice in my head and when I, you're thinking about stuff, he'll he'll what come would, into it. What would Gary say? What would Gary say? You know, I think what you got to do, you know, is just take care of your family first. You know, <laughs> that's the thing you're gonna remember in the end. You know, and it was all very simple. But coming from a guy who grew up so poor, yeah, that his his dad would would work. It you leave it four, go to Harlem. Open a shoe store. His dad was a saint. So when Harlem burnt down, they kept Mr. Prince's store. No, oh, they left his store. Don't touch his store. So his dad would come home. His mom would then go to work, and she would leave a sandwich on the stovetop, you know. Uh -huh. So sometimes I'd get home early, you know, I'd eat the sandwich, you know. My dad would go, wait, hey, wait, did mom leave a sandwich on the stovetop? I don't know, dad, she must have forgot. And he goes, go around the corner, you know, for a quarter or something, get, get, get me a sandwich. He goes, hey, pops, can I get a sandwich too? So that way I get two sandwiches. Because <laughs> he was he was really really got big in high school, you know. So you know, story stories like that, you know. That uh, that resonates with it you. is yeah. It's that that's people passing away is is still the most surreal thing, obviously. Well do. it's let's make it heavy now. No, it's 
You did. That's you know, Spady does that too. That's funny. You guys both do that. Like yeah. whenever it gets real, he's like, all right, let's. All right, buddy. Throwing something else. Woo. So is a boozy Susie. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, speaking was like, speaking of which. Please, please, ladies and gentlemen, uh, watch and listen and enjoy and indulge in, in their podcast. I will say it's Dana's podcast before David's podcast. That's just because I have to <laughs> well, do Well, it's because people go, why these guys? I go, but I've, I knew him before SNL. Yeah, when he was before he 21 or something. Yeah. yeah. And so I knew him then, and then I knew him during SNL. And then we'd just see him here and there. And then when I moved back down to L.A., then we were just going to a you guys share You guys share a similar... Uh, your rhythm of comedy is is great together. It yeah. is. It just works. It works very well. Well, it's the same thing with you and Bobby Lee. I don't know when you knew that or what decided to put you two together. The internet did. Honestly, we met because you know the internet goes crazy. They well, go, they go crazy. They see they're the crazy thing. together. He's teasing each other. And like I make fun are, of him. They like I make fun. I will say Chinese. He's yeah. Ch- he's not. He's Korean. He's doing politically incorrect <laughs> things. Put the buzz and everybody's <laughs> laughing. And so the tension is released in the room. And then you look at the views and you monetize and you have a big a big. <laughs> Alma put electrified because you know climate change. <laughs> no, it's true. It's, we the internet did it. They did it. They just they we would do show. We would do each other's podcasts mm-hmm. over the years, and people were like, "Why the fuck don't you guys do?" Because we were always good friends, but now in, in yeah, this, you guys are just so. I mean, I think the first clip I saw of you, wouldn't someone? Wouldn't, I think you had a gun. You were waving around. Yeah, a gun. Yeah, we had a gun. And in, like then the Bobby first one. Bobby Lee is really either he's just not acting or he's just a really good actor. Hey, dude. Fuck it. Hey, put the gun down. Yeah. Well, like, he, that we, was... I brought in an airsoft gun. <laughs> oh, okay. That and, was hysterical. And, of course, it was, like, him getting a hold of it. I mean, it was, like, a great scene in a movie where it's, like, oh, it was. he will shoot me. <laughs> he was, like, he will 100% shoot me. I was, like, please, God, don't pull the trigger. Because he's the kind of guy that shoots you for the comedy. That he's, right. like, it was a bit. And we'll be in the hospital. It was a bit. It was a bit. It's right. in my fucking neck. I mean, we, we just share a lot of those. Well, you guys uh, play... The teasing straight like hyper real acting yeah so you're almost playing with the audience for a second yeah because no 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 seriously dude shut the fuck up yeah. that's too much <laughs> yeah. what i didn't know you know so you're yeah. doing these little like dramatic scenes yeah and then when the tension's released it's like it's you know it's cathartic for everybody yeah so that that's unique i think about what you guys are doing well it's not as good as your show with spady everyone should watch it uh it means hey, a lot to me. It's not a joke. I mean, no, 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 no. I mean, I, I, I mean it. No, right I really now, mean no. it. Please watch it. It was about time you promoted the podcast. <laughs> oh, I can't. See, I can't. It's so hard to not smile. I thought you'd hit it up front. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, we will. You know what? I'll hit it in the intro read. How about that? You know, it, it's fine. I mean, come here. I come here. I want to promote the podcast. And I get canceled like nine times. <laughs> <laughs> hey, make sure we cut up all that, the clips that he does something that's maybe cancelable and put it out to the that's world. That's Mark Mark Pitta, a friend of mine. He is he's canceled. the best at the cracking voice. You ever seen Mark Pitta? Canceled. He's yeah. the best guy who's like talking. We used to do a bit where he's like, I, I throw him and at the whole at the zoo today is uh, you know, correspondent Mark Pitta, you know. Yeah, there was a panda that gave birth to a baby panda. You know, <laughs> he's good at the crack. Right. You know? So it's a really <laughs> that thing that people do when they baby when they panda. Get, when they <clears throat> Get emotional when you're trying to fight it back. Always try to fight it back. So let's see. Let's your talent bandwidth is okay. So you can act. You can be you a can, little bit. You yeah. can be in a movie and a be little a straight bit. actor. Yeah. You can do impressions and characters. Yeah. You can be that guy. I could. Have you done animation? I, I do a voice right now on a cartoon. Yeah. It's see? called Royal Crackers. Okay. Uh, you've got a huge podcast. I love when people say that because no one ever says it's not like there's Nielsen ratings or something. Yeah, well, we, our numbers are vi- are visible. Well, what do you mean? 
They're visible. Oh yeah, you could see it. I could see it, but I, it's not a. It's not in the newspapers or nothing. I mean, it's no, not. No, no. But <laughs> I got. No, I got to dig on. Yeah, but it's on the TikTok. So let me without giving away the numbers. Is it? Or do they go by views or downloads? As far as your, what do your advertisers like the most? Downloads or views? Uh, combined. Yeah, you got them combined. The views and the downloads. It's one of the. Our our audio is almost as big on Bad Friends as our video, and sometimes on this show the audio is way bigger than the video. So you get both. Yeah, you combine them both. So yeah. Spade and I. Now, but you guys are under the under the umbrella of a corporation, no? Somebody C- Cadence Thirteen. Yeah, somebody owns you guys. Yeah. yeah well, we own it. Oh, it's you guys. Sorry. Ooh, bad boys. Well, the contract's coming up. <laughs> you don't get to own me. I own me. First identify the suitors. <laughs> you are a suitor. Oops, there's other suitors. Don't fight too hard. <laughs> See, I could just live in that guy's voice. I like that guy. I could just spend time with that guy. Um, My live-in guy would be the a southern guy of some Can kind. I hear that again before we Well, it Well, it's either a guttural deep dude. Like that, my my dad's friend would say, Andrew, I bet you thousand dollars you can't do a hundred push ups. He'd say that he'd <laughs> See, t- shit like that all the time. Accurate. He'd go thousand dollars you couldn't do hundred push ups. Wow. And I and I'll say this too, if y'all can throw a baseball, if y'all can throw a baseball seventy five miles an hour, we'll go to the cages. And if y'all do that, <laughs> I'll take y'all for ice cream. <laughs> I mean, he he everything with this guy, my dad's friend was a sport. It was a, always a competition. He was the most competitive guy. If you. If you did anything, mm-hmm. and I was if I was nine years old, yeah, you go. How many times can you make that shot? I go five. I make five in a row. You know, he go. All right, hundred dollars says you can't do five in a row. <laughs> He'll be out here in the sunshine all day, burning up his little orange ass. Be burning up, not make five in a row from there. <laughs> so he, is this part of your stand up? No, you're no. not doing this in your stand up. No, I use that when I audition. I just the characters get. I get scared of. I get scared of it, and I don't. God, know I why. think that could kill in stand up. I w- but I, I know what you mean. If they're used to jokes and punchlines, and then you just have to find a little like Melissa Villasenor. Yeah, does a great job, kind of interweaving the two worlds. And I've always told her, I, I, I loved how she was able to, she'll do bits and then also mm-hmm. jokes and then also then characters doing bits, which yeah. she knows how to blend them in a way where I was always like, that's the, fu- that's the best way to do it on yeah. stage. It depends, but it's, it's personality based. Well, one thing I've used uh, recently, now all other comedians can use it. I've just started because I just thought as a couching of character or an impression, you say that you're, you're doing a tortured phone call with Comcast or something. Mm-hmm. And I just... Uh, I just stay in Regis, and the person is either from another country or they don't know. Honest right. to God, I couldn't find the password or whatever, you know. Right. So if you just say, sometimes I knew this coach, and sometimes I'm on with, you know, right. AT&T, and, and, bleed and you it. just stay in that character. I they, it's like it's like saying you're doing a prank, sharing a prank phone call, you know, whether, whether you do it or not. Yeah, that I could. That that makes sense. Well, I, I just did, I did a, I did a part in um, Tina Fey cartoon called Mulligan. Oh, yeah. So I just basically looked at Daniel Craig in uh, Knives Out. <laughs> and so it took that guy, that Southern guy. Uh, Mr. President, we're going to have a problem with, with all this here unless we get a hold of it. It just stays down here. Yeah. And I don't care if it's accurate, but it's just down here. But it is because there. that's a guy. It's a guy. And just go like that. I just think we should get rid of people that aren't white. I mean, I play this <laughs> I play this kind of race. The world has ended. Racist, and I'm, this, yeah. race, I'm yeah. this horrible person. You know. Well, they're darker than us, and that yeah. is scary. This is a God-fearing Christian nation, and I fear for its very survival if we let things of that nature creep in, elements outside a Christian purview. So it was, it was, it was fun to do that part. I like, By the I like way, it. I like that more than the one that he did. How about that? 
Well, probably I took it further. I mean, by the yeah. end it was, and then I was doing because it gets wacky. It's hilarious when that guy gets into that like. And I do a woman character where I just contract my ab. Well, I don't know what you all are fixing to do. <laughs> a really clueless woman. Yeah. I probably got it from somewhere, but it, it definitely is an ab workout. Yeah, you have to squeeze. Yeah, well, I don't know how you get people to sit in this chair so long. <laughs> Your back's hurting over time, and the whiskey hits you, and you get dehydrated. Why do they? You know. So anyway, it's it's just fun. I do them. I do them for myself sometimes. Yeah, but I, will you do me a favor at some point? Will you take will, my phone will, number? Will, you, will you just call me and leave me a voicemail of you just doing voices? If you start thinking of something and you're like, man, I want to run this character out loud, just le- just just send it to me, yeah. please. Yeah, well, when I did with Steve Martin and Martin Short, they're really good friends with Dennis Miller, so I did. Steve Martin said, will you call me later and talk to me as Dennis Miller? <laughs> <laughs> okay, whiskey ginger. All right, that's a nice motif. All right. Alcohol's all the rage these days with, you know, the Reynolds kid and the gin thing he's got going on. This is a toddle in town. Okay, I guess the school's out for summer and you put up camp in here. <laughs> all right, so whatever. I don't know. Okay, get the inebriation going. But uh, anyway, yeah, I will call you. And Please. We'll run into each other. I, I peeked in uh, the improv because I was... I was a couple comedians past you the other night when I did a warm-up set. Oh, really? I peeked in. Yeah. How did I do? Crushing. I did, was it good? You were crushing. Oh, Dana. This means the world to me. I would, I would just say you were very just relaxed up there. I'm very, yeah, I've learned to be the most comfortable version of myself. I actually think, to answer your question from before, when you said how did the SNL thing hurt me yeah. or what did it feel, yeah. um, it made me a much better comedian. And I have learned, th- I, oh, gen- well, I genuinely think yeah. after that, Yes. I felt kind of, I don't know, empowered. I was like, fuck totally. it, I got there? That's crazy. I'm good. Yes. And I almost felt like when Lauren was like, you're going to be fine. I think he meant it. Like, I oh, really well, no, believed... he wouldn't bring you out unless he thought you were talented enough he was going to hear about you. But when he said that, it made you me know. feel like, oh, shit, I guess I, guess I am okay. I guess the comedy yeah. is okay. And it was comforting in a weird way. The rejection was, and everyone was like, fuck that. You feel like, are you bummed out? Like, all my friends thought I was really bummed about it. And it was, yeah. But I was also like, yeah, but I guess this is just a a, a, a tick on my box of like, that's amazing I got to do it. Yeah. And it wasn't, and I wasn't a sketch or an improv guy anyway. So all my sketch and mm-hmm. improv friends, I was like, well, they're the ones that are fist fighting for it every day. Yeah. I wanted to just be in the world so bad because yeah. I was in love with it my whole life. But it, it, you know, I think it, I think it helped. I think it was, I think it was exactly what made me the comic stand up I am today, being way more comfortable. It made me yeah. go, oh fuck it, we're fine. I, yeah. I write enough, I work enough, it'll come together on its yeah, own. Yeah, yeah. I think for everybody, if, if kids are watching this, hey, that, that Garth guy was on there. Um, yeah, just don't let show business eat you alive. Don't. Don't hang out too much with uh, bitter comedians and don't. dive into that. You know, comedians are in a circle after the show and they're just ripping some huge... Like, you know who sucks? You know yeah. who sucks? And then there's a pause and someone says, so anyway, you know, <laughs> that's the end. After yeah. 10 minutes of trashing some huge comedian. Yeah, they go, can I get a ride? It's, ever, it's just been done before, man. It's so <laughs> fucking annoying. I mean, you can't even... So anyway, um, and then the, <laughs> and the next one. But don't don't get in and just look at your feet. The only thing you control is just try to put out a good product. Get better. Just be better. Just be better. Better at any age, doing anything. Just be better. 
Uh, victimhood is the number one disease that makes you, and bitterness makes you unable to be successful. And people are attracted to positive people. Hell yeah. I just like to give lessons in there. In I like it. In case like a well, you know college what's so funny? kid who we, just watched Wayne's World. We end, the show, I'm, we I'm, end the show this way. So this is, uh, this is a good way. We end the show the same way. One word or one phrase. Usually, it used to be a word years ago. And then mm-hmm. some people wanted to say something powerful or a phrase. So oh. you look into that camera. Yeah. You say one word or one phrase. We'll end the episode on this. So whatever your statement is, this is going to close the show. Whenever you're ready. <laughs> what I what it has to be different from what I just said is the idea. Yeah, I want it oh. to be. I want it to be uh, mm-hmm. one word or one phrase. If you, it, to leave something for the kids. Right. Um. The only thing you can control in your life is yourself look at your feet and just get better every day in here we pour whiskey 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 you were that creature in the ginger beard sturdy and ginger like vampires the ginger gene is a curse gingers are beautiful you owe me five dollars for the whiskey and seventy five dollars for the horse gingers are hell no this whiskey is excellent ginger I like gingers.